Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Story of America. We are now going live on Facebook. To joining us today is Alden Johnson again. He is a Libertarian candidate for Congress for the district for the fourth district of Mississippi. Um, you know, we got to know you a little bit last time. We asked some questions. We ran out of time asking some questions, but you know, this time it's going to be a lot more informal. We're just going to have a a really nice discussion and. This way, your constituents will get to know a little bit more about you, more of your interests, and possibly know more what your focuses are going to be on a personal level, as opposed to just the general questions that we asked the last time. So I'm going to let Rhett kick things off, because I know you want to, you wanted to talk um, at length about asset forfeiture. So I know mm -hmm. Rhett's probably got a couple of questions and topics in mind, uh, whereas I've decided I'm, I've got a couple of asset forfeiture questions, but then the rest of it is just going to be pretty, pretty art, uh, pretty artificial. Let things happen as they go. Artificial, you well, mean genuine. organic? Yeah, organic. I used the wrong word. I was thinking genuine, but then I said artificial. You actually, a lot of times, I've noticed this a few times during the podcast. You will use the opposite of a word you really mean. Yes, I, I tend to do like that. Like the sometimes. interview with Aaron Lee. I remember you were telling him like how the differences, what the differences were going to be between the questions I asked and the questions you asked. And you, you were telling him about my questions. You said, uh, uh, Rhett's questions are going to be a, a lot more general, a lot more specific, you know, like, no, I said, <laughs> I said, my questions are going to be more general. Your questions are going to be more no, general well, and specific you, to him. I know what you meant, but <laughs> I just listened to it again today. And when you were talking about mine, you said general and then specific about the same questions and i was just like man he just probably just misspoke it was kind of funny <laughs> you know normally i am the first person to listen to every single episode but lately we've been producing so much content and i've been going back and uh, po posting everything and getting things shared that i haven't listened to a lot of them back over again because i've you know by the time i listen to it on spotify that's my fourth time listening to it so I haven't listened to a lot of them lately. I need I need listen, to get back well, in the habit of it. Our last interview, like three or four times. I don't know, just to get that was with the Democrat candidate, David Sellers. I listened to that one once or twice. I've listened to that one uh, uh, two times because you know that was one of the ones that I was most interested in because I wanted to see what the difference between a Mississippi Democrat and a Northern, a Northern blue was. I think you saw. No, it's not, not very much, but it was I mean, enough. Well, well, it we was agreed. enough for me to be satisfied. We agreed with, on enough. Yeah, that's what but, I mean. It was enough for me to be satisfied with Mississippi is not yet a lost cause to the left. And that's hopefully going to remain the case. I was, I was sort a of lost cause for them. Yes, I, I, I was hoping that he was going to be more uh, more uh, akin to a Joe Manchin type. Um, he's certainly got some areas where, where they're a lot more culpable. Yeah, I really wonder if he was always a Democrat or if this is just something he's doing for this election. I mean, I'm not accusing of just being a fake, him being a fake Democrat, but it seemed like a lot of the answers that he gave were uh, very measured answers. And with a slight democratic twist, I would say if uh, that he, in my opinion, and this is again I'm not making anything accusatory towards Mr. Sellers, but 
I would say the way you answered the questions were, as you said, very measured, but I would. Yeah, he had some trepidation, it seemed. I would put it because he's running on a Democrat ticket. So there's a lot of things that he can't say. Otherwise, he'd lose support, particularly when we start talking about health care. You know, Democrats are very big on socialized medicines and socialized health care right now. And if you were to come out and be against that or come out and be against defunding police or come out and be against any of these radical movements that so much of the mainstream Democrat Party is talking about, which is not, in my belief, the underlying opinions of the majority of the Democrat Party, but because it's what's big right now, there's a lot of topics that he has to approach with some hesitancy. Yeah, well, I mean, you you have to toe the party line to a certain degree. That's what I think the huge problem is with the major parties anyway and that's what makes alden better than the major parties because he's not <laughs> shackled by that yeah i have I enjoyed... get a lot more freedom with my uh, answers but you know there are still things that that i believe that just so happen to match up with libertarian parties believe that if i were to say something along the lines of yeah, you know, raise the taxes or something like that. Well, that would be antithetical to the, the party. Yeah. Well, see, the Libertarian Party, I used to be a member, card carrying. Um, but I kind of like, I consider myself independent now. I mean, I, I think I recently did go back on the Libertarian Party website and get back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, libertarianism, as a whole, which I would say the party is a subset, but you know, they're really the libertarian party, but libertarianism more broadly is very divided over uh, no doubt about you know, it. Menarchism or anarchism and like the true libertarianism. And there's always this endless debates and I like it, but at the same time, it seems like, you know, it's even more divided perhaps in the major parties in some cases. Um, uh- you know what? That uh, that might not be a false statement. I'm going to be attending the. I'm a delegate to the Libertarian National Convention this year. I'll be going to Reno to uh, like vote on platform issues and things like that for the National Party, and uh, just some of the Facebook groups I'm in, and just man, it's a. Uh, mm. You got you know anarcho communist yeah. with anarcho capitalist, yeah, anarchist and anarchist. And, I, to me, it's anarcho-communism. It seems yeah. like an oxymoron. It's yeah, not. I, I, I understand I've never what quite it is, understood but... anarcho-capitalists. You know, in, in the group that we're in, politically provoked, we and I, you know, I do a lot of shows with these guys, and I talk to a lot of these anarcho-capitalists, and I can I can hardly, I you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's all it's almost uh, like a meaningless statement to call yourself an anarcho-capitalist. No, I'm talking about anarcho-communism. Anarcho-capitalism makes perfect sense to me. At first, I was like, what the hell? Like, how could you be a left-wing liberal? I mean, I get it now. But at first, it seemed like some things that clearly didn't go together. Just the idea that, and everything, everybody can have their own, you know, anarcho-communists can live with an anarcho-capitalist in a libertarian society, but because they're voluntarily living in communes, but you can't make everybody, uh, you know, do that obviously but yeah everybody has their we've got a lot of different people under the same umbrella you know that's for sure but that's the beauty of it everybody gets to do their own thing as long as they're not messing with everybody else so 
Oh, you just said the name of our show indirectly. <laughs> that's well, uh, maybe it was on purpose that he just, you know. You know, that's what we always had to say. The story of America is that we all we we all have a story. It's in it's unique to each of us. We don't all have to be in one camp. We can yeah. do whatever we want. Uh to a degree within within civilized society, obviously. Uh, but speaking on those issues, I wanted to I want to talk a little bit on this asset forfeiture thing because I, yeah, I want to get let's get into it. I want to get this stuff out of the way, then we can start talking about some of the more general discussion stuff. Um, firstly, I'd like you to explain the general differences between uh, criminal asset forfeiture and civil asset forfeiture, so that your constituency may know uh, where you're living. On. <clears throat> there are uh, some slight some slight differences. There are differences. Uh, that's a good question. I'd be happy to start off. With Let's get into it. So the differences between criminal asset forfeiture and civil asset forfeiture. Charged with a crime. The main difference is the, is the individual being charged with a crime. In civil yeah. asset forfeiture, they just take your stuff without ever charging you with a crime and send you on your way. Yeah, at least criminal asset forfeiture somewhat makes sense. Right. Criminal yeah. asset forfeiture, they charge you with a crime. They suspect your car. They have strong evidence to believe that, you know, your car has been used in a crime. They charge you with a crime. You're convicted of a crime. Your car is then seized. But in civil asset forfeiture, they can just pull you over, take your money, and uh, send you on your way without even a ticket. Or just straight up take your car and never get it back. Take your car, that happens. Or your comic books, TVs, couches, mm. all of that has happened before. TSA oh, is the worst. Oh, yeah. The T well, man, the TSA. I hate the TSA. Take your jewelry. They'll, uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you could definitely see them just stealing your stuff because they like it. You know, they wanted it. So. In their government agents. So, anyway, I was watching this hearing. Um, I was I watched a few videos on civil asset forfeiture just to get reacquainted with some of the details of it, and I watched the. Uh, I think it was a judiciary, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, uh, with Senator Mike Lee from Utah asking. He was grilling this ATF guy, and this dude was like really defending his position and you know how disingenuous uh, congressional hearings are and the language that people use is very evasive and they they speak around themselves and they speak around answering questions directly right because it's and, not a trial so you can do that you know, you yeah can, well it, but yeah i know what you mean they always seem just shallow and disingenuous but what the hell uh, I was hearing a weird sound. Um, I hear it too. What the hell is that? Is that here? I don't hear anything. Is it rain? It, may be. it sounds like a horn honking or something. I don't think it's here. I'm hearing it in my headphones, but when I take them off, I don't hear it. Maybe it's just... Maybe, let me see. It might be the train. Yeah, it sounds like a train. Hmm. And maybe, maybe the train sits down by your house. I don't have a train track by my house. 
<laughs> I, I don't I don't hear it. I, I have one by my house, but I don't hear it. Sounds like anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I, I'm staying on this too long. Um, I don't remember what the dude's name was, but like he was really uh you know Mike Lee's like uh asking him if he would be willing to admit that he might see or would he be willing to agree that this is something that obviously could be rife with opportunities for abuse. And the dude was like, you know, well, I don't think our officers would, you know, which is, was not the question. Like, Oh, I don't think they would do it. It's like, dude, that's not what I said. Like, do you think they would do it or not? It's like, you agree it could happen. He, you know, he wouldn't say it, but yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, in I also heard that this is something that has actually been done since the very founding. This I'm is not sure. I'll, that, I'll well, look into that. I don't know the specific. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. the 18th century, the 1700s. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all because I mean, you go back to uh, the time when the Puritans and before they became the Quakers. When I mean. Just just based off of the the idea that there might I mean you know what happened in in in, um, in Salem just based off the idea that they thought somebody might be a witch they would go in and seize everything and find <laughs> out execute people in some cases uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been doing this for a long time uh, I know for I know for a fact that it has been done uh, at the very least to free to free blacks prior to the civil rights. Uh, not civil rights, but prior to the Civil War, uh, because of comp- because of competition in some southern states, not all, but in some southern states, they were doing stuff like that. So, um, to to lesser lesser whites like the Irish and things like that that weren't considered to be Anglo-Saxon enough, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Lesser whites. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it started I mean, in the. What, 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 I suppose I'm one of those lesser whites. I mean, what, what else would you call them? I mean, they're, they're all white. No, I mean, no, I don't have a problem with the way you word it. It's just kind of funny. The Irish, that's a quarter of my heritage. <laughs> and well, most of it, I don't actually have the majority in anything. I don't have over 50% in anything, but the largest percentage was Scottish. Pretty sure I got over 50% in something. <laughs> yeah well what do you think that was i don't know i think it might be white biden told me so i don't i mean i, I, mean, I don't i don't argue with joe biden he's always right i mean <laughs> you know you've never met him so of course you didn't argue with him if i met the man i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't argue i'd probably just be like you know uh, I'd, be, I'd be i'd be trying to put the guy in a home yeah somewhere or maybe maybe escort him back to the coffin he wakes up out of uh, anyway before you know before secret Service somebody's uh, microphone is definitely giving me some interference here i don't know whose it is but uh it's probably yours deandre what's that what's it sound like yeah it's yeah it is every time you speak through it it's like breaking up you hear it alden uh no i had some static earlier well, but I don't hear yours it. is doing it too no, maybe it's my headphones. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, it, it could be my headphones. That's man, that sucks. It's gotta be if neither one of y'all hear it, it's gotta maybe, be my headphones. Uh, maybe maybe try turning your volume your uh 
your uh, volume down a little bit on your headphone because sometimes if I turn mine up too loud, I start hearing that. Damn, man, that's horrible. I mean, I don't hear anything. These are really, the, you know, shitty headphones. I don't hear anything in the, in the feed itself. So, you know, it's it's not interfering the actual podcast. Yeah, it's just my headphones. I got uh, It's really, it's unbearable for me to continue to hear, though. But obviously, it's not causing a problem. I'm just gonna have to figure out. Well, it's like yeah, take a take a three minute break and uh, get your get it situated. The show must go on while Rhett's taking oh, no, care of yeah. that. Yeah, y'all, y'all keep going. I'm just going to try <laughs> well, to figure while out. Rhett's taking doing. care of that, I, I do have a couple <laughs> more cool. questions on this. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead, man. You know, blooper reels are amazing. You freaking That's... sound like a Trade Federation droid. <laughs> what the uh, hell? Roger, Roger. <laughs> I swear to God, you sound just like one. Or somebody, you know, with one of those little, you know, Oh man, that you know that, that that does give me a good topic to talk about. Now that you talk wow, about it, uh, weird. I, after what though, I said forfeiture. I do now that Rhett talks about movies. Oh, I do have a dude. question on one that I, I like to ask you after we're done with this. Record this crap. Uh, so when it comes to asset forfeiture, uh, are you in support of criminal asset forfeiture to a degree, or do, are you in opposition of both? I'm a hundred percent opposed to civil asset forfeiture criminal asset forfeiture there there would need to be a really good reason but i'll say that to say this i'm really hesitant to give the government any more power than they already have or give the government an excuse to seize assets even if it was for a criminal charge because we all know that all criminal charges can be they're not the same and they can be Um, amended too some of them can even be uh, be challenged and and repealed over time. I would say criminal asset forfeiture, case to case basis. I, I think I would agree on that. Um, but uh, that leads into this question, though: Is it not the major issue with asset forfeiture that the government uh, oftentimes has very little need for what it is that they take, and in often cases, if they do take something from uh, from criminal asset forfeiture they inappropriately use what it is that they take oh uh well the first question if there wasn't a need for them to do it if it wouldn't benefit them they wouldn't do it they auction all that stuff off uh here in a little bit i'd like to mention the tsa and go a little bit into some of my experiences with them but as for criminal asset forfeiture uh yeah, they they do use it for inappropriate things. It's mostly to fund themselves. Uh, and there's a case I just read about. I don't know where it was at. It was somewhere in the U.S. this week where a cop had taken civil asset forfeiture money, allegedly, and uh, he was just hoarding it and going out and buying things for himself. And I just have a feeling that that's not an isolated case. I would imagine that that happens more often than not, unfortunately. You know, I, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, the corruption in politics is, uh, it, it harms the very best of us, even in a police force, which I don't think that uh, on ground level officers are the ones that are doing it. But when you get to the level of the commissioners and the particularly the DAs and 
you know, the, the corruption that goes on. I mean, Kamala Harris is the prime example of the corruption involved with a district attorney, especially with her time with, uh, with Bobby Brown. Did we mention, uh, did we talk about the Stanford prison experiment last time I was on the show? I don't believe so. Did we, Rhett? No, he can't hear us. <laughs> uh, about, yeah, no. I, can, I can hear you now, but I just can't freaking hear myself because I'm using my Bluetooth earbuds, but Am I loud enough? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, no, we didn't speak about the Stanford prison experiment, but I'm quite familiar with it. Philip Zimbardo. Yeah. He and, wrote, uh, uh, I had the book, The Lucifer Effect by him, which includes details about that case and others. But, yeah, he's a well-known psychologist, but which also happens to be my I'm interested in all kinds of different things. But psychology is my main area of interest. I like psychology. Are you familiar with that experiment, Dondre? Yes. No. no. Uh, well, it was a college college campus at Stanford a few decades, several decades back, and they uh, wanted to see they wanted to do an experiment to see if a perceived sense of power would corrupt. And so they took so many college kids, volunteers. They said, all right, we need some volunteers for a, an experiment this summer. Y'all are going to get paid. And so they said, okay. They said, okay, some of y'all are going to be guards. Some of y'all are going to be prisoners. Uh, they took the ones that wanted to be guards and they made them the prisoners. They took the ones that wanted to be prisoners and they made them the guards. And it was uh, a week or so long experiment in the basement of the psychology building. And uh, it got violent. It got people were making shanks. People were beating the crap out of each other. And the experiment proved that given a perceived sense of power, you became corrupted, even if you were good to start. And so a lot of these people, you know, get into, say, law enforcement for good reasons. But, you know, even as a firefighter, I've had to catch myself, uh, you know, speeding and, you know, wanting to speed and stuff, not on calls, but in the fire engine, like, no, you can't do that, you know, because you have this mentality, who's going to pull me over? And, uh, but you just got to tell yourself, you know, look, I'm, I'm just a regular citizen who happens to be driving a fire engine right now, you know, you, so that, that has a lot to play in it, I believe, with the civil asset forfeiture, with the corruption of uh, some law enforcement. I never did think of it that way. I mean, oftentimes when I'm when I'm on the streets, uh, whether I'm right on riding in the car or I'm riding my bicycle to the library, which I just wrote to the library today to go pick to go turn in uh, two books and pick up two more. And you know, uh, oftentimes you see the police and you're like, well, this heck, he's turned on his his flashers to get through a red light and then turns them off immediately when he gets across the light. Uh, you know, a small abuse yeah, of power like immediately that. Freaking judge him. Yeah, you, and, know, you know, like, but you never think yeah, of it. I try that not way. to do that because, well, I don't. I think of it as okay. Well, I mean, I'd probably do the same thing. Most people would. Most, we're not above that kind. No, nobody is. I am. The Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah, it degenerated very, very rapidly into uh, hell, and had to stop. They it. were to discovered. Stop. I think it was like. You know, like, a, I don't remember how many days exactly. 11 days. Yeah, it was like a week. Uh, between it ended a week up and being cut. week and a half. Yeah. Ended up being cut short because 
people, other people, other professors ended up coming in and they were like, what the hell you got going on here? Like, this is clearly unethical, but they just kept it going. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with a lot of these things because I, I see civil asset forfeiture as a, as a problem. Criminal asset forfeiture, I'm, in, I'm on the same, same wrong case by case because there's so many variables involved in, 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 uh, in criminal cases as is. And then you toss in asset forfeiture on top of that. And there's so many variables involved in that as well. Uh, but on civil cases, I can, I can seldom see a reason as to why uh, government should ever want to seize anything that a civilian has without uh, well, they're not reason. they're not civil cases they're just called civil asset for it's not like a you know it's it's a case that's not even a case at all you aren't even like, there's afforded. no charge well, i'm not yeah. talking about a civil uh, case as in as in law i'm just saying the difference between criminal and civil and you know on, on a case-by-case basis of civil of and the civil for asset forfeitures I, I cannot uh, see at all a reason as to why government should have a should have a reason for that. The Brookside Police Department in Brookside, Alabama, is the perfect example of why civil asset forfeiture is just corruption at its core. The town's about to go bankrupt. They are being sued by everyone the federal government's actually come in not that the federal government's not corrupt because they do a hell of a lot of civil asset forfeiture but they're shutting the whole city down because uh it's an incentivized policing they got so corrupt they were just pulling over everybody and just robbing them essentially uh richland not ridgeland or rich done but richland mississippi their police station was almost entirely fully funded by civil asset forfeiture their uh, police yeah, station that's, that's built a, several years back so it just becomes like an incentivized thing you know, you'll have like uh you'll have mustang gts driving around here that say paid for by your local drug dealer well oh, yeah I've most of the time that. those people weren't even convicted of any drug crimes they just stole the car and slapped that sticker on the back of it and that's their new ride, you know, for the sheriff's department. So yeah, it, it, it creates I've problems. seen that stuff before. It, it really kind of makes me uncomfortable to see that. Like, even if you did it that way, like, don't advertise it like that, man. It's like, I can't stand when law enforcement starts acting like, uh, you know, they're better than criminals, like morally speaking, because, you know, they're just on two different sides. Oh, well, I, I absolutely agree because I say the the line between between police officers and organized crime is very thin. And 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 yes. well, as as I'm listening to you talk about this Brookstone Police, uh, uh, Brookside, this, yeah, Brookside. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is is the CSA from DC Comics, the Crime Syndicate of America. The first thing that comes to my mind is like it's basically uh, the entire city is a mob city. Let me look up the statistics right now. You won't believe it's unbelievable. Even a fiction movie, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the statistics on how many people are arrested there, what the population is, how many cars are towed per household every single year. It's it's atrocious. And uh, that's just a case that 
became surprised the media hasn't used it in a racial analysis yet. Uh, it's getting there. Um, it, but the, they can't though, because so it's every single citizen. So it, it they weren't that you can't pinpoint, you know, is it more black people, more white people? Cause it's every citizen multiple times a year. Uh, so it's, it's a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, it's also like it's race is really irrelevant in this. I mean, it, like the government taking stuff is like, you know, it doesn't really matter how many of each race. It's like nobody should have that happen to them. Okay. Uh, correct. This is in Alabama, but I just want to read it because uh, I'm running for federal office. This applies. Uh, in my opinion, because it's happening in the country. Uh, in a two-year period between 2018 and 2020, the revenue from fines and civil asset forfeiture rose more than 640% and now made up half the city's total income. Um, it went from towing 50 vehicles in 2018 to 789 in 2020 each carrying fine, that's a 1,478% increase with 1.7 toes for every household in town. That is ridiculous. And something like Where four arrests per household. Brookside, Alabama. Where? Yeah, Brookside, Alabama. Man, that, that's absurd. 640% increase. On the revenues earned from civil asset forfeitures, and just one city, I mean, they might as well have stolen everybody's car. They I mean, did one point seven toes per. Especially yeah. what they did, they stole everybody's vehicle almost twice yeah, well, in a year. <laughs> yeah, but it's out of like, control. I feel like that kind of those police departments. That's the reason why so many people don't trust the police anymore. Yeah. I'm police a departments like that. And uh, I'm a city firefighter and I don't have this defund the police or hate the police mentality, but I do have bias against them because I've been done wrong by police. I, uh, I'm in close contact with police, not necessarily in my city, but, you know, in city I, I've worked for in the past. And there are some really, really shitty cops that exist here in Mississippi. I'm not talking about my town that I work for now. I haven't run into any cases, but like just there are two Forest County or two Lamar County deputies in Hattiesburg that were racing on duty in their patrol cars. They ended up hitting a couple and killing them while they were racing. Blame the couple. Both didn't get in trouble. Both went on to work for separate apartments. One of them went and robbed another guy on duty at another department didn't get in trouble they just can bounce around without any sort of repercussions and yeah. that that's what it, it builds resentment. yeah that definitely should not happen absolutely it does the fact that they aren't blacklisted for that from every police i mean first of all you know blacklisting is the least of our concern when they're not even put in jail anybody else would definitely be charged and sentenced for that kind of behavior for killing two people yeah they said oh well they were there the they, they were drunk but i haven't seen there's been no evidence to say that you know and y'all were racing it doesn't make it okay though yeah 
It's it like, doesn't. you know, that kid, that affluenza kid who, who killed four people, five people. You just straight. Well, you know, that, drunk. that sort of reminds me of the. Uh, they get mad at him, but the cops, you know, whatever, they're cops. That's, that sort of reminds me of that. Um, What was it when Biden was running for president and they were talking about uh, how he spent so much of his time accusing some truck driver from like in the 80s or something of being drunk when his wife had ran into his truck and that's how he lost his wife and his uh, daughter. And they made that accusation about that man for even still to this day. And even though it was proven that the guy was never drunk and, and that he was not the one at fault. But uh, I mean, these, these things, are, I mean, it's absolutely absurd that these things could happen. And uh, whether it be these police unions or these immunity clauses within the law that are preventing some of these people from being held accountable. But then at the same time, uh, in a situation like that, where pretty much the entire city is corrupt and run by this uh, mob-like organization, the police, uh, who, who is going to hold them accountable? It's the same thing when we talk about putting term limits on Congress. Uh, how are you going to hold them accountable when they're the ones that have to hold themselves accountable? And, the and yeah, um, I always think it's funny when there's, you know, some super conservative people that just freaking love the police with all their heart, but they hate Congress it. and they forget the fact that the police are also part of the government. But they're never critical of the police, just Congress. You know, they saw, criticize the government and everything, but it's like that's the lowest level government people, dude. Like, there's a meme that uh, I shared. I, I get a lot of hate for it, but I stand by it. It's a, uh, it's like Washington crossing the Delaware, you know, on that Christmas, what, Christmas Eve, you know, when he went to go yeah. kill all the redcoats. And it was, uh, <laughs> if, if he murked him, sir, you know, if the back the blue people existed back then, you know, and it was just like red coat lives matter, and you know, red coats mm. have you know hard jobs, and you know, that's the same did, mentality, you know? <laughs> you know, nothing against well, police as a whole, but it's just it's just this mentality of who's going to stop us, and that attracts bad people, you know, you can't, there's no denying it that 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 mentality attracts bad people, and then the well, more bad people you get into policing. I suppose, yeah, but I mean, like, I suppose there are people that are somewhat pathological that do seek out positions of authority in order for them to take out their resentment on the populace. But I also think that it could easily, just by nature of the job, it could have that effect on even a relatively normal person no no i agree it's that's why i brought up the stanford bad. prison experiment you know and i yeah. i catch myself you know like i say speeding in a fire truck or wanting to speed and i have to tell myself like no nah, man you got to follow the laws because you just get that mentality working you know that particular job who's going to stop me and i believe that carries over to the police at the local state and federal level because who is going to yeah. stop well and when you start thinking that way long enough Eventually, you're going to do something, mm -hmm. you know, atrocious, like you hear about, like, you know, you're going to end up on national news or something because you just got this mentality that you can get away with everything. And that leads you to just worse and worse behavior. 
but it's a danger for anybody who I'm not judging them. I'm saying that anybody in that position would have to be vigilant constantly of their behavior and do their best to be morally upstanding. And some of the things, you know, like we haven't always had the qualified immunity and we haven't always had things such as criminalization of whatever, you know, 50 years ago, certain things that are criminalized today weren't criminalized 50 yeah. years ago. And yeah. uh, well, just the mentality of some freaking... people, you know, um, that like NASCAR, you know, NASCAR was started by running illegal liquor. And uh, just the, the same people that support NASCAR, a lot of them, not all of them, but a large percentage of them, you know, would condemn those very behaviors if it was regarding cannabis or even running illegal liquor today. It just seems like we as Americans have forgotten where we came from. Well, yeah, a lot. Well, a lot of Americans today really you know they don't have any idea of what that you know what where we came from means um anyway there's a good I book i really know where i was going with that uh i read a book called mississippi moonshine politics and it is yeah i have that describe, book you you have it I have it, but I've never read it. I, well, it's my grandma's, but I found it here. You should read it. Um, it uh, what they were describing back then is the exact same thing that's happening today. It's You could read it today, but change moonshine for, I don't know, cannabis, and it would be the exact same situation. Oh, I, I see it. Exact same situation. I see a lot of issues in, in relationship to various things and various uh, substances that have become illegal that in, in my opinion, if, you know, I, I've often said that the way, the way my brain operates or the way that I, the way that I operate, so to speak, is if a particular issue does not affect me and does not affect the majority of people uh, around, say, for instance, gay issues, uh, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't affect the people at, at a whole. Any law that comes to pass about that, if it was to ban it, if it was to make it uh, fully legal, me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care to move on it. Because the way I see it, the way I've always seen it is, if it wasn't hurting anybody before, there was no reason for it to be illegal. It wasn't hurting anybody before, there's no reason to make it legal. Just leave it the way it is. No Let victim, people... no crime. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I also think that just because something hurts somebody doesn't also make it, you know, all kinds of dangerous things are legal. Bungee jumping, you know, NASCAR driving. Um, there's, you know, any number of things that are dangerous and legal because, you know, they're like, the government really is just, it's not supposed to be a nanny, even though some people certainly support the nanny state, but a lot of people, too many people, Republicans and Democrats left and right alike, 
I think the, uh, the regulating the, the government attempting to regulate morality is immoral in and of itself. Yeah, you cannot legislate because it's more. also like they they just they don't have the resources to do that to be man, you know trying to watch over everybody constantly. So blanket legislation is dangerous. Uh, I haven't really talked about this a lot. I, I haven't mentioned it with y'all, but uh, there's a there's a clinic here in Hattiesburg that opened up, and uh, it's a it's called the Other Clinic, and I fully support what they're doing. I, I went and talked to them. I helped them remodel or helped them move in and helped them get the place ready to move in. It's a clinic that serves adult transgender individuals. And uh, just list, I just asked them questions. I didn't know about much about the transgender community at all. I just asked questions and talked to them and got to know them and just to see how much hate they received. And uh, I say that to say this, there was a law that banned a puberty blocker, right? I didn't know much about this, but I wanted to know. Now, there are certain state laws that ban this puberty blocker, a medicine that blocks or temporarily pauses puberty. And uh, I'm, I was curious to know more about it, to form an opinion. And uh, so you can take this medicine and it temporarily, Early, it's really whole puberty. And, uh, you can stop taking it, and then puberty will continue as normal. No big deal. But uh, it, it gives the youth a chance if they believe that, you know, they, they're transgender. You know, it gives them a chance to wait until they're 18 to make a decision, and there's no harm. But anyway, this medicine is also primarily used for, uh, I want to say, an autoimmune disease in children. So it's a puberty blocker. That's a side effect, but it was also used in, uh, in autoimmune disease by many children. They take this medicine. And so they banned this puberty blocker. And all of a sudden, overnight, all these children that had this autoimmune disease suddenly couldn't get their medication because it was banned. So that was just an unintended side effect of this legislation that really caused all harm and didn't do any good. So uh, blanket legislation is dangerous. It should never. It, it yeah, was well, a, when you don't take all the scenarios, first of all, I don't really agree with banning anything at all. Right? right. I just don't see that as a proper legitimate function of the state. You know, when it comes to the details and specifics of this, you know, the puberty blockers are not completely safe. They're not a hundred percent, but that's right. not the, that's Definitely. irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Like, my opinion, I don't think that children should be given puberty blockers, mm -hmm. but that's irrelevant. My opinion is irrelevant. You know, it seems like a bad idea to me and it does have other consequences. And, you know, you could stop taking them and it's not, it wouldn't be exactly the same as if you never did. Nothing's 100% but, safe. And, right. Yeah. Well, nothing is. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know. It's just, you know, anytime there will always be collateral damage. You just, the government, it's really the government's. Uh, I always think that if you're a politician and you are going to go and propose a bill or propose legislation, you have to assume that your idea will work out in the worst possible way every time. Consider the worst consequences and behave as if that will happen if you enact this law. Important to Dr. Uh, Walter E. Williams, 
it, it the, the the problem with politicians is that they oftentimes and the problem with the people who vote for politicians is oftentimes that you look at the intentions rather than the results and if you were to look at the results and forego the intentions most of the policies that are on the books would never have been put on the books in the first place but because they have the best intentions people seem to ignore uh the results that actually come from putting these things in place. For instance, the minimum wage law crippled uh, uh, the economy for people who were less skilled. And, you know, wages became super stagnated as a result of that. You put that minimum wage law in place because you're like, well, the intention is that if you put this in place, you're going to have, so, have all these low-skilled people making uh, the fair living wage or everybody else is making. But what, you, but what you don't realize is that the results of that is that you've just priced uh, the guy who's at the movie theater walking you to your seat in the dark. You just priced him out of a job because there's you're not worth minimum wage walking somebody to a seat. Right, I agree. When did uh, this idea start that minimum wage had to be a living wage? Oh, geez. Oh, what? I think think that was uh, originally that's what it was started to be, but it was a bad back idea in the twenties. And right, it was originally intended to be that way, but economically that would have never worked out. And it quickly proved with rising inflation that that was a bad idea, and they should have canned it. I am for no federal minimum wage, but I have no issue with states making their own because. Uh, there are certain states, Mississippi, I believe, is included in that. Uh, there are about seven states that uh, use the federal minimum wage as a cop-out yeah. not to pay more. So with no federal minimum wage, the states would be forced to uh, – not forced, but I have a feeling that they would start bumping up their own state's minimum wage without the federal minimum wage in place. I would just get rid of it altogether. I, I don't see I don't see a reason to have minimum wage because inversely a minimum wage you need to have a maximum wage law and we did have a maximum wage law during the war and that proved to also be a failure. Right. I uh, I don't like when the government manipulates the economy. I just have an opinion on the federal minimum wage due to uh, my position that I'm running for. Uh, but it, yeah, no federal no minimum wage that uh, we saw this with COVID the. The whole pandemic, you know, Burger King paid, say, $7.25, McDonald's paid $7.25, and that's just how it was for 15 years. But whenever the pandemic hit and people started getting short-staffed, uh, you know, you'd see McDonald's raise their wage, then Burger King raise theirs, then McDonald's, then Burger King, and then Burger King would offer better benefits, McDonald's offered better benefits. So uh, there's a small chance – very small chance that without any minimum wage uh, that we could possibly revert back to the, you know, coal mine times where kids were working in the coal mines for a dime a day. But I, I don't, I don't believe think that. that would happen. I don't think that would happen. I think I don't the, think that would happen either, because I think we've, we've got on, you know, we have the minimum wage. but We also still have mm-hmm. on the law that uh, the law about hiring people of under the age, I believe it's under the age of 16 to work only so many yeah. hours and so just in, like in certain the, fields, of course, you know, in certain fields. I, I just meant like the company, uh, the company stores, how they would, uh, you know, you'd be indebted to the company store. They would pay you chits 
Like, all right, here's $10 in Walmart money. You live at the Walmart, you know, town and you buy, you, here's your Walmart bucks, but there's a small percentage. Walmart town. You're like, you know, the coal mine towns. Yeah, we're, uh, yeah, you know, you got coal people coal mine bucks, the, the coal mine on the town, but I, I don't think that would happen. I think that it would raise the wages and everybody. It would yeah, like, I, think um, it, uh, I think it would be more like a meritocracy. Like it should in China. Be. I think. Exactly. That, the Foxconn is like that. The iPhone yeah. pounds. Yeah, I think but, I think everything would. I think uh, everything would probably be wages would probably uh, rise naturally uh, to to meet the adjusted cost of inflation and and also to meet the adjusted uh, the adjusted cost of skills because as we have uh, adapted and become better of technology. People have obviously become better and more skilled in certain technological fields. So I think the wages would naturally rise to reflect that. Yeah, I believe that the free market would take care of it and it would work out for the best. But uh, I just wanted to note that there was a small percentage of a chance that that could happen, you know, the opposite way. But I think that I, if, you believe, if you remove the minimum wages, all of them stayed in federal, that the wages and the free market would take care of it. I could see that uh, that small percentage happening in uh, in Silicon Valley. I really could. <laughs> uh, but, I got some back here. The Army used to not pay people in cash. I've got uh, five cents in Army chit where they would just pay you in Army money. And uh, be like, all right, here's your five cents in army money. You can buy, you know, you that lower enlisted got paid in that, so they could buy uh, what they needed on base. But it was pretty much useless anywhere else. But I don't, I don't think that would happen again. Speaking of uh, paying things, you know, one of Mississippi's biggest issues uh, right now is profits, 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 profits. And though you're going to the federal scene, um, there's still a lot that can be done from a federal uh, envoy of Mississippi to help encourage some growth here. And I think uh, the thing the problem Mississippi has is, I mean, the job growth here is practically non-existent. And business here i mean i don't know if the governor i mean obviously the governor and the mayors they are screwing the pooch uh and accepting some of these contracts and stuff like this i think we had um i can't recall who it was i think it might have been david sellers that we spoke to uh that was talking about so many issues with expanding uh broadband internet access through mississippi and one of the main issues was the mississippi's infrastructure um they haven't taken the steps necessary to get all the stuff done so that these companies like AT&T, Verizon, and whomever else would like to be contracted can come in and start putting these uh, these wires and stuff in and having it be connected throughout all of these areas. And so Mississippi is missing out on a lot of potential business that could make Mississippi a flourishing state, especially now that they've, that they've had talks about ending the state income tax here in Mississippi, which I think is a good idea, but I don't think that it would serve a good purpose for Mississippi to remove the income tax and then do nothing to create a more business-friendly environment. What do you think? Uh, what do you think your role 
as the congressperson for the fourth district of Mississippi would be to encourage uh, more positive business growth in Mississippi? Well, I, I'm going to answer your first uh, with your first point because I have an answer why some of that stuff is happening with the internet. Um, so here's what will happen. Comcast or AT&T will come into a town, a city, and they'll say, look, city, if you sign a contract with us, y'all as a city will get discounted services, discounted internet, and uh, but you have to disallow, you have to create a monopoly. This will be a monopoly. Nobody else will have jurisdiction in this town. And a lot of cities are like, oh, that sounds awesome. You have that case in, in Hattiesburg. Xfinity pretty much has a very big monopoly mm -hmm. in Hattiesburg. Yep. Comcast, Xfinity Comcast has a monopoly over here because they went around all these local cities. Look, I think almost every city that is like that, our region. AT&T can't put in lines here. Yeah, you have to be area. in specific areas for them, but, Most, uh, mostly rural. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, what can the federal government do about increasing the business? I wish there was a way I could just, I, I know all the legislation is online, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives website, but I wish there was some way that I could create some algorithm to type in laws that uh, might need to be repealed or find laws that might need to be repealed that are unknowingly to me uh, prohibiting business growth, because I, that's what I'm going to try to do. I, I want to. Yeah, well, there's a. Than... Oh, I got to find the name of this website. So, what you're talking about, um, can't remember the name of this search engine, but it's not just a search engine. It's also like a. It's a state database uh, that's specifically available to lawyers and paralegals and anybody who has access, like an ID and a password and everything. So, I, I had access to this database uh, because I was a paralegal student at the time. And my teacher was, well, she gave all of us access to mm -hmm. this database and it's capable of uh, just finding very, very specific details about, about laws and, you know, certain bills and court cases. And it, it's a, it was a very useful search engine. Um, I'm going to try to find it, but of course you, you, you couldn't type in something like laws that need to be repealed, obviously, right, but it would be more useful to find things that pertain to certain uh, issues and go from there, determining which ones you would uh, add to the list of laws that should be uh, done away with. It would almost be beneficial to, just keep some key, you know, keep the Bill of Rights, keep the Constitution, uh, keep the civil rights laws, but then just repeal every piece of legislation, every 100 years, just delete every legislation. Oh, I'm not opposed to that idea at all. Maybe, maybe and, uh, one, then just start fresh. One of my biggest ideas was always uh, my, the, the platform that I had for my campaign was Simplicity Works Best. That was my platform policy. And basically everything that you, every bill that you needed to introduce under my Simplicity Works Best platform needed to be uh, broken down and no more than 10 points. You don't need 800 pages 
to explain a bill. I mean, really, you don't need 800 sentences to explain a bill. If you if you do it concisely enough, yeah, I know. And, you know, simpli- simplicity works best really to me. You don't you don't need all that extra well, garnish no, on the see, side. Now, of course, that means this. there's opportunity of loopholes, um, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you yeah, loopholes are going to happen either way. They have loopholes right now, and you've got a thousand pages all all saying the exact same law, just in a different way. I think there'd be less less chance for a loophole and a simple concern. I'd rather vote on 10 simple bills a day than spend three weeks going over one long 3,000-page bill just to bills you know, give a yes or no be vote. simple to a certain extent because there's been this argument that no law should be longer than, you know, the Constitution's four pages. Which that I don't I don't agree with that. At first I did, but then I thought about it more, and I was just like, the Constitution is very very general and broad for a very good reason to leave room for interpretation. But when we institute specific, when we legislate certain laws and vote on them, they can't be that general. A lot of cases they have to be specific so that there's no room for interpretation. That they're let in me way, think of it think of it this way, right? proper way. In, in the Constitution as it is right now, the 13th Amendment, it's quite literally two sentences. And I think those two sentences was enough. I mean, uh, the, 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 the section one, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to the, to the jurisdiction, section two. Congress should have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That's the end of the bill. Yeah, I'm talking about regulations specifically that pertain to specific things. It does, but it doesn't need all that extra margin because, in my opinion, if this was the basis for the Civil Rights Act of 1964, we wouldn't have all this affirmative action, welfare, bull crap that has practically destroyed an entire generation of people. If they just made it as simple and plain as concise as this, because if you go and you look for, through the Civil Rights Act, I mean that's all. That's a lot of reading, and it yeah offers well, I don't very think little. What I'm trying to get at, I, I, I get what Red's everything. Saying. Every I agree with everything that you're saying. I'm just saying that in some cases things do need to be plainly spelled out in detail. I agree with that, uh, but I don't think it needs to be uh, HR one uh, detail where it's 842 pages no, no i'm not saying that what well all i'm saying is that a four-page limit is unreasonable i think a hundred page limit is reasonable no more right. than that well most of the long bills are just omnibus spending bills where they just packed in all the sorts of poor well, yeah but what That's you're saying Red, is in. you just want specifics no loopholes yeah. even if it takes 50 60 pages like one law at a time no earmarks no pork barrel spending even though that is a way that uh, congressmen from the specifically the minority party m- maintain leverage, getting things passed by making deals. But it's just better to just cut all that out completely. I think we're all you know, on agreement. One law at a time, one bill at a time. 
I, I agree on that because I think a reason why so much doesn't get done is because they keep trying to add things that don't need to be added. For instance, uh, let's just let's just let's just give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt and say the Build Back Better bill is perfect for America. Well, you screwed the pooch trying to pass the Build Back Better bill because you tried to tie in the infrastructure bill to the Build Back Better bill. So now people are for the infrastructure bill, but they're against the Build Back Better bill because you haven't explained it quite good enough yet to some people. And so you completely uh, screwed yourself legislatively because you're trying to connect two things together when they can easily... at least get to the floor. I'm not going to say easily pass, but at least get to the floor and get some opinions and uh, and CBO scores uh, on the floor of the House and floor of the Senate if you let them do it by themselves. So I agree 100%. Take them one at a time. Stop trying to multitask with these bills because Congress has proven their inability to multitask. I mean, unequivocally, they've done so. They, they can't handle chewing gum and walking at the same time, especially when you've got well, airheads they, well, they like AOC in they've, office. They've demonstrated their complete in, inability to even single task. <laughs> that is also true. You know that uh, <laughs> I saw a fact the other day. I, I fact-checked it myself, and I was – I couldn't believe it. Uh, let me – I'm trying to look at the specifics real quick so I don't misspeak. Yes, especially since Rhett likes to call people out for misspeaking. <laughs> Don't be afraid to call me it. out. <laughs> we can fact check this later on. But uh, Bernie Sanders, okay, Republican Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas voted for more Tommy. federal spending last session than Bernie Sanders did, a proclaimed Democratic Socialist. So a Republican supposed conservative, fiscal conservative voted for more federal spending than the self-proclaimed socialist Bernie Sanders. And uh, I think we're at a point in American history where both parties are, both duopoly parties are complicit in the down spiral of our nation. I think of it, it comes I think, to economic spending. I think there's effectively three parties. There's the establishment party, which consists of the vast majority of the, both the Republican and Democratic bases. Uh, bases, I mean, like the political bases, not the voter base, the the uh, elected official core group, the neocons. You know, that's the establishment party. That's how I think of it. Then, of course, you have the Trump Republicans and the AOC Bernie Democrats. And those are three different groups. Um, of course, they're not parties, but you know what I'm saying. Right. The moderates and then the left wing of the Democrats, the right wing of the Republicans. I actually think that the establishment of both parties is rather uh, like center right. No toast. The neocons, you know, they're they're a very authoritarian, but they're I would say that they're they're moderate as far as left right goes. It depends on whose definition of left or right. It's really about think. money. Yeah, fiscally. Yeah. Well, no, no. no. What, what I mean by 
when I say left, right. So you think about the political compass test, authoritarian at the top, libertarian at the bottom. That's the social issue axis. Left, right is the economic axis. So that's what I mean when I say that. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that, but uh, the establishment—they're really just neocons. Hey, Rhett, like it's time to and time to go on to some other issue because we're we're pushing at eight thirty. So, um, I know you wanted to speak a lot about the about the Freedom Convoy and the stuff that's going on in Canada, and. I don't know if it's happened here yet, but there's supposed to be a freedom convoy that's supposed to be from from California to DC. I don't know if it's I don't know if it started yet. There but, are some. No, it hasn't started yet. But, well, but uh, I assume your primary issues are uh, the reaction that Justin Trudeau has made towards this freedom convoy with the police getting involved in arresting these protesters. Um, who have who haven't broken any law by Canadian law, but the fact that they're enacting emergency powers, all practically emergency war powers, and getting rid of these people over there, uh, I assume that would be your biggest issue. Of what's going on right there? And do you do you perhaps see that extreme response from Trudeau being this uh, response similar to something that Biden? might decide to make if in fact that convoy does happen between DC and California. I think Trudeau has made a conscious attempt to be the wokest world leader for a long time. And he's far more brazen than Biden. I think. Biden's not controlling much. Uh, there's a dude, and uh, for, I don't, I haven't, I've been trying to fact check this, but supposedly they're, uh, you know, I've been following the Freedom Convoy, Canada, Freedom Convoy, DC. They're leaving out supposedly March 2nd, but there are a group of people, truckers, that uh, looks like have already started heading that way. From what I've understood, the number of the convoy is supposed to be from DC, from California to DC, supposed to be in the 90,000 range. Yeah, it's going to start. The official one's going to start from Barstow and go through uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, it looks like, Memphis, Tennessee, up through Kentucky. And so it looks, but we've got splinter groups already starting to head that way. So we won't know, I guess, till uh, it actually happens what the official numbers are. But yeah, it's going to happen. In my it's going to be interesting. It will be. Do you see that this is, do you see this as a way that it's probably going to uh, worsen? The economy's inflation effects. For, uh, for well, we we all we had a, a Republican candidate on, and he was giving us the the perspective from a business owner of these trucks and the supply shortage being the cost of fuel. And then I had a friend of mine who is a trucker, and he was saying that you know when you're getting paid pennies on the dollar as opposed to when you're actually been able to get paid or charged. Uh, three three ninety nine or four dollars or five dollars per mile that you drive, and then gasoline prices are getting ready to go up to seven dollars a gallon. And you can only imagine what diesel costs are going to go up for some of these big trucks. And you're only getting paid a uh, dollar ninety nine per mile. You're losing money um, to do that job. So a lot of these truckers, you know, uh, their protest. You think it's going to uh, impact? 
the markets as if, uh, when it comes to the cost of energy or anything of that nature? Um, maybe slightly. Uh, it was, it's not going to affect the truckers that much. You got crowdfunding. I know they've been shutting down crowdfunding in Canada. They'll do the exact same thing here. So I uh, think it's completely against the law. I think that is completely against the law. I don't, I don't the supply yeah, chain unconstitutional. Prices. Yeah, I, I don't uh, see any way in hell that that is remotely going to fly if, if somebody challenges it to the Supreme Court because the government has no ability or no uh, a reasonable authority to shut down somebody's bank account because they're funding a protest that they don't like. Um, it'll affect the uh, the customers a little bit, you know. I, I'm willing to. I may or may not necessarily agree with. Uh, you know, Canada has some pretty strict mandates. I, I wouldn't. I don't really understand or know the reasoning behind the DC convoy. Uh, just yeah. ignorance on my part, I guess. Yeah, me but, neither, because uh, you know the mandates got struck down here. Yeah, they did. Like, yeah, and and they're finally starting to, uh, you know, ease up on these mandates and things of that nature. Uh, but I, I, you know, if this was a few months ago, I would support the DC convoy because I think it would have been necessary then. But at the same instance, I think I might still support it because, you know, you had an entire summer where the Democrats were supporting absolute butt babs and chaos in 2020 this would be nothing like that it, it, it may it may cost us uh, a lot of money when it comes to supply chains and stuff being disrupted like that but you know you take a look at the cost and just uh a city like atlanta uh, that was ravaged in 2020 summer that, that they, they dealt over 2.5 billion dollars in damages in just one city and you had tons of cities across the across the nation mostly big cities and then on top of that with these uh lackadaisical bail reform laws that they've had you've with all these um uh crime bust you know but they bust into stores and they take all of this stuff and run out and uh, you you I mean we've seen economic travesty of an unimaginable scale be done with just in the last year so I, I don't see this as being something that's going to be too disheartening, especially considering the fact that uh, the, the leading call uh, problem that's going to affect us when it comes to energy, I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be the war in Ukraine. Yeah, I. Uh, whatever they end up determining the fact, maybe they're just pissed off truckers. Maybe, you know, I don't. I don't really I don't know the reasoning yet behind why they're going to do this DC protest, but I fully support the chaos of the you know. It's just a copycat. It just, thing, it just shakes think. things up. You know, I think they said the they were doing it know. to um to to support Canada's truckers. I think that's what they said they were doing it for. Well, I, I support yeah, the disruption well, it causes. Protests can easily become aimless. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fully support their right to do it, but if there's not a coherent. Uh, if, yeah, you know, if, if there's not yeah, coherent call, demands, if there's not a real reason for it, then it could easily just turn into chaos and it would be something that would be rife for, um, you know, possible false flag staging. Well, you saw some of that happen in Canada where uh, people are showing up with swastikas and, and uh, 
rebel flags. And you have to say that some of these things have to are obviously have to be planted because what who in the hell is going to fly a rebel flag in Canada? A lot of people. I, it's just if so, you get that's so weird. If you get so many people in one place, you know, you're going to have some people that are going to just show up for not necessarily false flags, in my opinion, but just you can't have 20,000 people show up and not any of them be you're going to have some. Oh, that that I, that I believe I agree yeah. the well, number, the number no, statistically. But but I mean, rebel flags and swastikas in Canada, of all, of all the places in the world where you would where you would see somebody fly a rebel flag. Why Canada? Canada doesn't have that type of problem. That's a problem that's unique to the South of, of America, the South yeah, of the United just, States. Yeah, people in Wisconsin and Idaho and Minnesota that fly them, you know. I, but people in Wisconsin and Idaho, they don't even have a real, I mean, and right. the, the rebel flag is for the Confederate states of the South. Right, <laughs> right. that's my point. Yeah. They, actually, just, they just take the, the flag and, you know. Yeah. Use it as their the flag that everybody calls a rebel flag actually is the battle flag of the Virginia militia or the, the Virginia militia. Yeah. Virginia. And um it's not even a Confederate, like it's but anyway, it is kind of strange that I didn't see anything about I didn't see any rebel flags in any videos or anything, but it is very strange that um, you know, maybe some of them, maybe some of the truckers there were from here. The thing is, is in 20,000, it was only two flags and the media focused all their attention on these two flags that they were able to find. And then they tried to label them as terrorists. That's basically, uh, I think that's basically what the Canadians have done is they have labeled these well, guys as terrorists. Some of the things that some of the things that Justin Trudeau has said in recent days are completely just over the top Hitler dialogue i mean and, the, and the see that that's what that's there. what people said about the swastika flag was that they weren't caught they weren't caught saying that they were nazis they were holding a swastika flag to say that trudeau was being hitler the some of the stuff he said is actually sounds just like hitler's speech yeah he's um, gone he's double he down said, the other he, the, he said stuff like uh often these people you know, in reference to the non-vaccine or people who just didn't get the vaccine, whatever. He's like, often they're, they're anti-science, often misogynistic, racist. And I'm just like, and then he, from the, he also from the says, guy like, who's worn need black to find out what, to, what, let me finish what I was saying, that quoting that line. And at the end of it, he says, um, the time has come for us to decide whether or not we will tolerate these people. Even Bill Maher, Bill Maher had this, he quoted this you know, on his show. He's Bill Maher's like, okay, been now really you do pushing back like on the left a lot. He, he, he really yeah, has. Well, Bill yeah. Maher has always had the tendency to speak reasonable things. Over, but, you know, he's really now. one of the only people that's kind of allowed to. I mean, I don't want to say allowed to as if all of our freedoms are hinged upon the media. Yeah. But Bill well, Maher, Bill Maher has he gets a, been able to he gets say a pass. He you know, you, you let yeah. somebody like Steve Harvey say something. Uh he he'll get canceled. Bill Maher, he it seems yeah. to be immune from the left's cancel culture. He he does. I had noticed that. He could, he seems to be able to say whatever. I mean, even Whoopi Goldberg was not immune from the left's cancel culture. Yeah, but Bill Maher, it's like the dude has said so much like 
it's like they just don't care or they you know he just gets a free pass because he's i don't really know why not even john stewart is a john stewart gets criticized but bill maher is just like you know whatever or i don't think that he just says stuff like he's not going to change the way that he's but like i've never even heard of calls to cancel him ever yeah, I mean, when Bill sure, Maher was saying that he was wishing for a economic depression to get rid of Trump, nobody was talking about cancel Bill Maher. Then Bill Maher is telling the Democrats that you're you're going too far left. You need to come back to reality well, no, on these matters. Why would anybody? Why would anybody call on him to get canceled for saying that about Trump? Exactly. Nobody. Uh, but you know, Bill Maher, he said a lot of stuff that other people who are on the left, mind you have said uh, when the left has gone as far as they have gone, and they've got flat out removed. But Bill Maher, he seems to endure. That's why I say he seems to be immune to council culture. Yeah. I don't know what's so special about Bill Maher, but whatever he's got, uh, it seems to be the best form of immunity in the world. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's he's usually right about that kind of stuff. Which is the also the, the puzzling thing because you would think if somebody was just continually over and over telling these leftists the truth, then they would definitely be canceled. Well, you see, but Bill Mark, he's he's kind of a double-edged sword because a lot of times he eggs this on, and then when it starts to affect him financially, he starts to reel it back because he was saying a lot of the stuff that the council culture is saying right now, but he started changing his like mind. What? over time like he was talking about for a while about demand about mass mandates enforcing this upon people and it's not about your freedom that's not cancel culture but, but then he comes back and says it differently and people who have said the same thing that have come back out and said that it's about freedom they get canceled by cancel culture for well, saying okay that. Let, i'm what i mean when i say cancel culture is a political correctness and deplatforming and free speech specifically I know. That's what I'm talking about. Bill Maher was saying a lot of the things that the left was saying about the science yeah, this, the science that, and uh, mass mandate this culture. and that. What I'm saying is, is that now he's saying the opposite. And people who have said the exact same thing that Bill Maher is saying right now, they got canceled by the left. Bill Maher has always been a free speech guy. That's all I'm saying. He's never called. I've never heard him ever say that somebody should be should not have the right to say things i'm not saying he said that i'm just saying that people have said the exact same thing that he has said and have been completely removed even though he was egging on the same talking points the left is talking about now but then he switched a few a few months ago into starting to support the opposite the opposition to that because he saw how crazy they were going with it he just seems yeah. well. I can't explain it. I mean, I don't yeah. know why he gets a pass, but I mean, he gets a, he gets a bigger pass than Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's so weird, man. You would think Dave Chappelle would because he's black, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely not. It's see, the thing is, black people are no longer um, number one on their ranking list of the most oppressed people. It's a crazy thing because but the they need Party the vote as uh, well. I don't really think that that's ever been the case. Um, 
it's like number one now is uh, trans people, uh, you know, non-binary. Yeah, but trans people That's make like up a small favorite. percentage of the vote. That's why they don't really push on them for right now. But what the reason I'm why they're about the vote, I'm talking about the number one most oppressed category. They they take a you know no, their their number Chappelle one oppressed category is specifically about, black trans people. That's their that's their number one category right now. It's still it's still about race. I don't know I've why. I've never seen a black trans person. Oh, never mind. That's stupid. Yes, I have. I have, but yeah, that, but that, but that's their number one thing. And the, the the thing is, is it's an issue that affects so little people. So why care? I mean, I'm not saying don't care about trans people's issues, but yeah. why make it the center stage of your issues? Like, you could probably because. reach you you could probably reach your hand into a hat and pull out uh some, pull out names. And you might not even get a single name in your hand of, a, of somebody who's trans. Yeah. That's how well, small a percentage that's they definitely make up. true. There's basically 0.001%. It's like almost nobody's really trans. And not only that, I, mm. I, you know, I, I, I might get in a whole bunch of trouble for saying this, but I could care. I could give two, you know, what's about trans issues because in, in my, uh, it's not real. In my opinion, it's you know do what do whatever you want to do, but don't make it out to be like it's something that's natural because it's not. It's well, never uh, been natural unless you were born hermaphroditic, which that number is that's even not, fewer. That's has nothing to do with that number is even fewer than trans people. Uh, that's yeah, like be it, surprised. It's like one in a hundred. But is it really very not one in a hundred? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are That's born with now. ovaries that they don't even realize they have. And yeah, it's surprising. Dude, Look, uh, the term now is intersex, but I, I looked into it and yeah, it's surprising. You probably pass somebody every day that is born with male and female genitalia in various forms. And well, yeah. But anyway, see, that when it comes to that issue, I don't, I don't actually think of that's not what determines somebody's sex. What determines their biological sex is their chromosomes. But anyway, I don't personally, I don't, I don't care about somebody being trans at all. It's like if, if you, you know, if you're an adult, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, anybody else's business what you do but but that's their problem they try to make it everybody's business like here's most of them actually don't do yes they do they keep pushing it no they don't i mean here's here's people that are pushing it the fact the fact of the matter is is when you have these people out there and like they they will okay let's just say it's a hinge group a fringe group they want specific bathrooms they want you to go out and date a trans person if you want to date a trans person that's your up to you but don't force people not, to do things yeah, like I'm this red on this that's one. true but the vast majority of trans people are not really doing that no, I, and it's I, just I a very very I, small i got with groups of them you know when i sat down i was just i was asking genuine questions and trying to you know and they it seems like the majority of the transgender individuals that I've met, they're just trying to make it through life without being harassed and noticed. It's it's a media I, I, issue that I've met a lot of trans people. I met a lot of trans people and I met a lot of gay people. 
and for, for personal reasons, I've met a lot of them. And one of one of, one of my friends, uh, he, he blocked me some time ago because I told him, because he was he posted something on Facebook, it was something he shared, it was a meme or a post. And I said to him, why is it that you, you're gay? I already know that you're gay. Why is it that you have to make your entire existence about being gay? Why don't you talk about some of the qualities that you have that's not who you decide to fuck? Like, I don't care. Yeah, Nobody I, cares. I definitely agree with that. So, same thing it with trans very people. Strange. You have qualities that, some... are, that are beyond the genitalia that you want to have. Like nobody cares. Nobody unless they unless they plan on sleeping with you. Nobody cares about your genitalia. If I'm if I'm going to talk to you, I want to know what you're interested in. I don't want to know who you want to sleep with at night. Yeah, well, unless I, I specifically the point ask that we're you. We're trying that. to make DeAndre is is that the vast majority of gay people and trans people don't make it their identity. Like. The only thing about that, I tend to disagree. It's like that is not, I, I, from personal experience, I, mean, I tend to disagree. There's no way that, from, I would definitely also say, from personal experience, uh, I haven't met that many trans people. I mean, I met some, but most of them, it's just like they don't really. They all of them to some degree, especially more than well, obviously more than a straight person, because straight people don't, you know, talk about being straight all the time. Of course, they talk about well, I mean, I mean, for, things, for, for example, trans people to a lesser degree, to a far lesser degree than gay people, trans people, trans people are just gay people, uh, but trans people to a far lesser degree yeah. than than gay people who still uh, are assigned to their genders, you know, using their to use their term. Um, are far are far less uh, than than gays are, but you can you can tell that they make it their entire identity by the way that they dress, the way that they talk, the way that they present themselves in every situation to make the scene about them, not about their not about their interests, but about their overt uh, femininity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trans people do it to a far lesser degree. Or, yeah, but somebody acting feminine does not necessarily mean that you know they're parading their get their gayness around or trying to use it. It's like, uh, how did we get stuck on this issue? I think it's a real. I don't know either. It's like we're, we're I'm never just saying, get to a would point you, where... I'm just saying, would you know otherwise? If if I mean, they didn't want if they tell. didn't want you to know, would you know otherwise if it wasn't for the fact that they were parading it about? I mean, I don't really I don't parading it about. Parading it's it like about. I don't know what exactly you're trying to. What exactly are you trying to say? Uh, for, my, for example, uh, public displays of affection. We've all we've all heard about that at the schools and stuff like that, where you know you don't you don't kiss somebody this and that. I, which I don't care. You kiss whoever you want to in public. It's your it's free free country, all that stuff. But if if I uh, am a straight guy or whatever, or or a straight female or whatever, um, and I'm out in public spaces, you're not gonna. You're not going to come up to somebody and immediately 
just, oh, this person's going to start talking to you uh, and have to be extremely uh, macho or extremely feminine, depending on who they or what, depending on what sex they are. And then it's, they're not going to make the fact that they are heterosexual everything they're just normal people walking around every day no difference in their in their attitude no difference in their personality no differences in the inflections in their tone of voice they don't make artificial uh gestures artificial tones or artificial behaviors in order to give a point that hasn't been the experience personally i think i'm just totally missing like yeah i don't anyway let's move on to something else because this is we're getting nowhere with this uh, you guys don't. You guys are missing what I'm saying. I guess I'm not saying it in a. I'm I'm trying to be as I'm trying to be as politically um, correct as I possibly can in saying that without saying it. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Well, on I just don't understand country. why you care about it so much. Like, it's I, not. I don't, I, really, I don't care. That's the I don't whole really point care about how somebody. It. That's the whole point about it. I'm tired of them and the people, of the particularly these politicians on the left, trying to force people to care about it. Yeah, well, I mean, that is pretty annoying. If if it wasn't put front and center a lot, then, you know, I wouldn't. It's just kind of annoying at this point. It's like, dude, all right, come on. Let's like, okay, you're gay. Cool. You know, that's that's great. Like, like I, can, I can remember. Can we move the, on now? I can remember the first gay person that I met. Uh, it was on the bus. Um I think that was um, in middle school at the time. We were getting ready to go on the bus to go to West Orphan. Um, and we've seen him on the bus. He was in high school. We were in, we were in middle school. You weren't here yet. You you uh, you had left again because you, know you left after fifth grade or something like that. And No, I left after from between sixth grade. So seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. I went yeah. to a private school, Pleasant Hill Baptist Academy. Yeah, so you you weren't you weren't there, but me and Burleson were there, and this guy's name was Ethan. I don't know what his last name was. We never asked him, but I had never seen a person like this before because he was with spandex, blue hair, <laughs> uh, eye eyeliner, and lipstick and stuff. I'm like, I, I wasn't offended by it, but I had never seen a person like this. I would never have known that, that he was gay if not for his appearance. Uh, I've had two very close gay friends, and they that you wouldn't have known if unless you just knew them so that, that's that my, hadn't been that's, right. that's, that's, that's my, just like a that's personality my thing, thing. That's yeah, not, they, they don't all have blue hair or spandex well that, that's my that's my thing i mean what if, I, if, if if you don't have to make it your identity like if you're gay that's fine that's not necessarily i mean most that people could just be most their person. what's their maybe it's their preference in dressing i mean uh, I'm not. I, it's not the dressing part about it. It's the that. it's the vocal patterns, the, change, the changes in tone, those things like that. Those are completely artificial and fake, and it's done Maybe. purposely to draw attention Maybe. to oneself. Because uh, and, and yeah. well, well, not well, not even well, not well, even well. Michael Jackson's voice is that is naturally that low. Because when you actually hear him sing in his other tone of voice, you actually hear the yes testicles. You mean high. Yes. Well, I mean, there is a there is a strong possibility that his father had him chemically castrated to preserve his voice. Well, I mean, but if you listen to still, him, I, listen to him sing uh, in his off the wall albums and records, his voice is much deeper, and he just changes his vocal inflection because that's what people want. That's what they are used to. Let's uh, let's get back about the laws. Uh, 
Yeah. There shouldn't be any laws banning uh, any any people expressing their individual rights as long as they're not hurting anybody. I, I agree. Regardless I of, I think that's what it's all stemmed from. But I, I and it stemmed from that, and I I agree. We shouldn't have laws in place uh, that prohibit people with stuff like that. Uh, speaking on uh, what we, we were talking about uh, some of the issues that the convoy might bring, what are you thinking right now, seeing that Biden basically today just came out and said that, yeah, we're going to war? Mm, I've been following. Go ahead, Brett. He is so, like, first of all, it it seems to be the case that all of this talk uh, it's just completely contrived in Russia. All they were doing was their yearly exercises on the That's, Ukraine border, uh, which we, they we, do all the time. 150,000 plus troops on the border. Russia's wanted them forever. They already annexed Crimea under the Obama administration. And on top of this, uh, you have people that have worked in Russia uh, back, uh, back in the 90s who say that this is what Russia does when they're getting ready to do an invasion, that she's, they have seen how Putin operates yeah, when he's getting ready see, to make see, a military most of these, Most of these sources, these American news sources, are uh, not entirely accurate. Um, and they also, it's like the United States is really trying to push this. The, even the president of Ukraine said, yeah, uh, "I, me like, personally, you know, we we can put our tinfoil hats on here for going to the realm of conspiracy. I think that I think that Biden has everything to gain from a war in Ukraine because of the Hunter Biden stuff that happened in Ukraine. If Ukraine gets attacked and all of that data and information goes kaputs, kind of." Kind of frees up Biden. Certainly but, not necessary to go to war to do that. I'm not yeah, saying look, go to war, but uh, let Russia have their way, so to speak. They do. Red's, yeah. uh, Red's correct. We do. Uh, we buzz their aircraft carriers. They buzz our aircraft carriers all the time. It has been like that forever. Uh, I watched a documentary called Winter on Fire, uh, the fight for Ukrainian independence. It's on Netflix again. It was just put back on Netflix after being taken off for, you know, it just ran its course several years ago and they just put it back on there. This has been going on for a decade or more. Uh, they've essentially been at war undeclared for at least a decade. Uh, I recommend that documentary, by the way. It's on Netflix. It's called Winter on Fire. Uh, it, it helps explain the Ukrainian, have you? And uh, I, I, the America, the United States, the journalists are just blowing it up. They could go to war, but I don't think there's any underlying secret conspiracy regarding the Hunter Biden thing. It's just Ukraine and Russia have issues that they need to work out. And uh, us getting involved isn't going to help those issues. Yeah. Well, Ukraine is not. I mean, first of all, these people, you can go on YouTube and look up videos of them having fistfights in their parliament when this this country is not our you know it, they're not our ally they're not, not really, nato and or to be to well, be honest see, the, they don't the nobody wants them in that russia well that's not entirely russia doesn't want them in nato the u.s doesn't they want, want them in NATO. in nato well 
I don't know. Me, me personally, I, the, uh, I, you know, I don't see why the U.S. is even getting involved. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with Alden on this because most of our NATO allies, as is, don't pay us enough for the services that we provide. Some of us don't pay us don't pay us at all for the services that we provide. And Ukraine, you've, we've given them aid, we've given them money. Let them handle their own. You know, it sounds tough. I don't think that. See, Trump's rhetoric has always been as far as the the services that we provide they need to pay us it's like well i mean i understand certainly where he's coming from but an alliance is not services an organization like nato is not countries providing services to each other it's an alliance but but nato does have strategic reasons they do have a specific saying that that we should all be uh, i think it's like um Three percent of our GDP should each be going to NATO, and so far, yes. America funds that's reasonable seventy-five percent no of that. One else does and it. only three other, I think, it's four other countries in NATO actually meet that threshold. So, well, NATO are, wouldn't they, be NATO would not be a force at all without the United States. Exactly. I mean, so either the other guys start paying their fair share, or we dip out. That's what I'm saying. France is actually paying that's, their well, fair share the, more than us, in a sense, with the French Foreign Legion, which is an organization all on its own that's unique in the entire world. But uh, the French Foreign Legion, they uh, they they're contributing their fair share, and that's a yeah. Because you got, you got like four four or five, uh, not including America. I think you've got Germany, France. I think the UK is in there, and there was one other that I can't recall the name of it. But well, France has a French foreign legion. They like, have a foreign army that's it's it's an army within an army consisting of foreigners and French citizens on the run from the law where they can change their identity and they go do all the dirty work of the of NATO and uh and for France. But I, I agree that we need to get we need to stop uh we need to let Japan have their own army. You know, we made that agreement back in the day where they can never have their own military again. And we've been fully funding them since then for their defense force, but it's time to let them have their own army. I think the Navy, I think they're mature they're, enough now. What, what they're, they're the third largest economy in the world, I think, uh, third or fourth, Who? Uh, Japan. Oh, I don't, I don't they, know. Exactly. Like, so, you know, they have the funds, they have the technology, uh, and they have the discipline, I think. Um, and I don't think I think America has built a sufficient relationship with Japan. So Japan is considered to be part of Western civilization that Japan is not a threat to America. So I don't see a reason why Japan shouldn't have their own. Yeah, military. Japan's number three. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. What, what are they? What are they like? Uh, 15 trillion, 11 trillion compared to America's 25, uh, China's 22 ish. Their GDP. Yeah, um, five point. 5.06 trillion. Dang, that's lower than I thought. That's their nominal GDP. Because a while ago, I was looking at Russia's, and Russia's was like seven. They cost us a lot Russia of money. Is not, Russia's not even on the top 10. Yeah, they're poor. They're dirt poor. That's the reason why I'm saying that, pretty uh, that Putin, he would not have had the money to fund an invasion if it were not for Joe Biden. Him allowing, uh, allowing Germany to 
pull so much energy from Russia, which is a massive amount of wealth that, that Russia can gain from Germany, supplying up 60% of their energy. It's, that's a hefty tax, hefty pay bill that they get to have. Plus, uh, he sh- shut down, I think just recently shut down the the um, Israel to European uh, pi- pipeline. And so really the only one that's producing oil in the Western world right now is Russia. And you got to think those numbers might not be accurate. Russia just helped China launch their first people into space. Uh, you know, China has their own self-sufficient space program now. They have their own space station that they just put up within the last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I don't trust those GDP numbers. China is sharing money with Russia. Russia is sharing money with China. Russia probably keeps their funds Hush, hush. China does the same. And China's currency manipulation, too. You, you, you never know what China really has because they, they manipulate their currency so frequently. Yeah, one of the things about Justin Trudeau that he said eight years ago, it's like it seems like something that he, he said before he realized what he was saying. I think it was right after he became prime minister. People uh, were it was a small group of people he was sitting in front of. They asked him. What country do you admire? And he says, uh, China. I really admire China because of that. So they have their uh, basic dictatorship and the ability to turn their economy on a dime. And, you know, he was talking about their green, you know, the environmental policies and all this. What environmental policies? (laughs) It was very, I'm just telling you what he said. I'm quoting him. You know, that's, it was, he was saying that he admired China because of their basic dictatorship and ability to turn their economy on a dime. That's what he said verbatim. I I would not be surprised because this is the the left, the woke leftists. They are the ones, I mean, take an instance for Bernie Sanders. His entire policy platform is almost a carbon copy of the Soviet Union constitution, almost verbatim, almost like you plagiarizing the entire damn thing. And so it does not surprise me that yeah. Justin Trudeau would be uh, most interested in in Chinese dictatorship policy. With the you know, he went to uh, he, he went to the Soviet Russia. Union for his uh, for his yeah. honeymoon. He went there he for ten him. days. I was watching this uh, the most recent podcast Joe Rogan did with Elon Musk, and uh, Elon Musk was like, "How do you explain day six through 10? You know, uh, you know, four days it's enough to see everything. It's just like you know." The dude had uh, posters yeah. in his office when he was the mayor of Burlington of Stalin and, and Lenin and Marx. There's no excuse for that. None at all. They don't have redeeming qualities. They're not good people. They, they committed and are responsible for some of the worst atrocities in history. And you've got freaking posters of them. Um, yeah, but. Um, I mean, I mean, I agree. What do you do on day six to 10? Look at the ice. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Russia, like like any place else in the world, Russia is beautiful in its own right. I mean, I would love to go there if I could tolerate the cold and just be able to see some of the mountainous areas and stuff like that. Most of the land is unused because of that, but uh, just like any place else. Yeah. But the fact but, that the fact no, of the I'm matter talk- is, is it's like it's like you said. What does Russia have to offer? An American that's going there for honeymoon outside of I'm not no Russia today is fine to go. 
I'm talking about this them. is the Soviet Union. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I mean, what do they have to offer offer you uh, for your honeymoon for for ten days? If you're a socialist, a lot. Yeah. I've seen a video of him on his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. Uh, I believe he's shirtless. Don't quote me on that. I might just be imagining I, it. I'd hate to he's see sitting, Bernie shirtless. He's sitting around a square table and they're all just right drinking now. vodka and partying. So I, I'm sure he hung out. I don't know how he got. Is he on the back of a horse? <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't putting on a horse. But uh, somehow he had these connections. Everyone's seen that. I, I'm picture, sure that dude. he was shown a lot of things. In my opinion, I, I, I speculate that of uh, have how they operated as a government. Bernard Sanders. Yeah, basically, he ran off with the U.S. Uh, with the USSR's constitution and brought it back to America and put it on the floor of Congress. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's pretty that's, much what maybe happened. that's what he was doing. He was at the copy machine waiting for it to get done printing out <laughs> for the day six through ten. It must have been. Yeah, because it's his policy is almost word for word. I kid you not. I went back. I read the USSR's constitution, and I read Bernie's. I respect platform. his consistency. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing you have to say about about Bernie and about Trump is for the last fifty years they have not changed. Unlike Biden, he has been on every other issue, but they Bernie and Trump they have been saying the exact same things for yeah. fifty years. <laughs> From a, an economic standpoint, yeah, communism is worrisome, but I, I just don't have this big fear of, I, I'm not advocating for it by any means, but communism always takes care of itself. Uh, it always fizzles itself out. You know, look at the Soviet Union, Cuba, Vietnam. It, it just always takes care of itself. Uh, I, I just really have never seen communism as a big threat. It, it's certainly a big threat if you live in those countries because millions hundreds of millions of people were murdered right now stalinism yeah like you know, the, the atrocities that occurred due to communism it were have been horrible but just the 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 i guess economic thing yeah if you live in the country it sucks but as a foreign threat i've never considered communism communist uh, governments the, to be the, the only the, United States. the only foreign threat from communism that i can that i can say would be if it came to America. And I think there is increasing cause it's here, for worry. Dude. Here. The cult of West, uh, uh, the cult of wokeness, left-wing progressive idea, uh, ideology. Yes, that's what I mean. That, that is Marxism. That is Marxism. It's, it's really I don't what think, it is. It's, it's I don't think un- it's taken it's root a, a, yet, but it is definitely ruining its head. It, it'll never be able to spread widespread enough. Maybe like through the, politicians I, I, don't, I don't i just don't think the people would i don't know all it takes is one it's one uh wrong person to get into the oval office well we have checks and balances unless they overrule all of them like they have with the fourth I'm, amendment and the second amendment well i mean that that's what they're trying to do right now they're trying to get rid of the filibuster they're trying to get you know trying to make it go on party party vote in the senate if they if they do that and they can do whatever they want Keep your passport ready, and that's my. It's always a backup plan. I I don't see I don't see them becoming successful in it, but it's a possibility that eventually, uh, Mansion or Cinema caves into the pressure because they get tired of getting chased to the bathroom or people threatening their boathouses or whatever. I think even most Democrats are moderate, you know, and you got 
Republican. I don't think the economic, even though they're complicit in uh, spiraling our economy out of control, I just don't think that a communist uh, type government would ever be successful taking place in the United States. Yeah, well, if you see it, see, I, I think I see it in a slightly different way. From a political perspective, I suppose right at this moment, it's really not a, it's a, it's not really a major threat, but from a cultural issue, from a cultural perspective, the unholy uh, alliance of uh, the postmodern philosophy with uh, neo-Marxist ideology uh, is, it threatens the very foundations of Western civilization. And I think as long as the culture war has been going on, it has progressed at, to a dangerous level. And I don't think there's any reason to assume it won't continue to do so. But on the political side, uh, we're just seeing the results of what's been taking place in the culture all along. But I certainly I see where you're coming from. And I, I agree with you to an extent. Because communism itself um, is not, you know. Anyway, the point is, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, it's not I like as big of a threat as it was, you know, back in the days of uh, the House Committee on Un-American Activities and, uh, you know, the hysteria that, that yeah. went on. Back McCarthyism. And- yeah, yeah, McCarthyism. But I'm seeing today's time seems to be a mixture of, you know, obviously, Marxism, but you also have a lot of these Keynesians out there, too. And these post, uh, it's like Rhett said, these postmodern philosophies are coming to fruition. And the biggest problem that I am seeing right now, it, 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 it is our generation. It's the people in our generation and the people that are coming after us. Um, the, the, the way that these... Uh, Marxists have been working for the last 40 years to basically infiltrate every aspect of our schools, of our education, of our system. It, I mean, it has worked to a degree that I don't think anybody ever saw coming. What I mean, some people saw it coming, but I don't think that they never thought it was going to be imaginably conceivable yeah. that they have taken this much power, this much uh uh, ability to infiltrate into the deepest aspects of our lives. And now you have a generation that has been, been indoctrinated from the time they come out of the womb almost into and, and believing this, uh, some of this crap. And that's the most dangerous thing is because how do yeah. you deprogram well, some of these teachings with some of these people? Yes. Because they, a lot of these people are then, then they say that you can't believe in, in history or other sources because they're told not to. And they believe that that there's no other that there's no other alternative of uh, I'm not, not going to say alternative facts because there are no such thing as alternative facts facts are facts but there's no alternative truth so to so to, so to speak where you're only hearing for for instance uh, I was doing a show the other day uh, with a good friend of mine and I was saying damn that oftentimes in black history month we hear all of the atrocities and things like that of slavery and whatnot but we never hear about how it ended in the western world and it's always there but if you were to go talk to somebody who's uh talk to one of these marxists particularly one of these um 
black marxists from blm they would not believe that the entire reason why the transatlantic slave trade ended was because britain basically waged a war against the entire slave trade almost on their own why they did it you mean you have to go back in time and ask and ask the leaders of britain at the time why they did it but they would not believe that because they've been engineered not to believe anything that is of a positive light from the government or from history books. And so that's the danger that we're facing right now is that this, these young people, uh, it's going to be hard to, to bring them yes, back around. Being indoctrinated. It's like some people are a lost cause, but I think the vast majority of people can have their minds changed. And the only way that happens is, well, there's, there's a couple of things that need to be done, but I think uh, one of the things that needs to happen is cut the funding to the universities by, you know, a, a lot, maybe completely. And uh, to go after these professors that are uh, indoctrinating their students that are trying to get them to you know they're basically it seems that there's a conspiracy in the education system education system to bring people into it to make them weaker uh, because if your students are stupid they're not they're not going to challenge you and uh, but don't take their courses these people they need to be uh, uh, there was a, a speech that Jordan Peterson gave in which he was outlining um, this idea for a program or a website that identifies, it's like a, a search, like a database to uh, put particular professors and classes into the database and determine whether or not they were postmodern ideologues. And don't take the courses. You know, go after them intellectually on a logical basis. Why their arguments don't make any sense. That's not going to be enough to convince a lot of people, but it's still something that is necessary and needs to be done because it, people need an alternative. A lot of times these students, they, the reason why they have their minds taken over effectively is because they just simply don't have the cognitive resources to be able to pose any kind of resistance to this uh, indoctrination and uh, that certainly needs people need to be taught how to listen and pay attention and uh, filter other people's speech through the lens of truth yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, that database seems like a good idea, just to know. But uh, just two points. One for the first for DeAndre. I just uh, the organization Black Lives Matter is obviously communistic, and you know they are self-proclaimed communist. But I, I think the media got some a little bit wrong. Was the majority of the Black Lives Matters protesters, even though they supported the movement, I just don't think they were. It seemed like they weren't necessarily thinking of the communist aspect of it. They were just thinking of the 
police brutality aspect. So in my mind, in my own opinion, I just don't think that all of them were communist, you know. That well, I absolutely that. agree yeah. with you on that. Well, and, uh, most of the people and, who are fighting for it actually, they're, they actually yeah. think they're fighting for a good thing. And then, and you know, and the sad thing is that a lot of the times is, is that what you'll see is that once the once the dawn, uh, once the day starts to turn into night, those good people, they they tend to get out of there, but they get conflated because once once sunset happens, here comes the mob of the of the organization and some people who aren't affiliated with the organization that just want to take part in the arson uh, at these Antifa types and stuff like that that show up and it corrupts the whole thing. And unfortunately, some of these people that cheer the Black Lives yeah. Matter mantra and movement they say that without knowing yeah. anything about the organization's motives. A lot but, of them don't give a damn and just want to steal stuff. You know, a, a lot of people uh, would not be saying the Black Lives Matter mantra if they knew what it was, if they actually researched the organization. They, they would completely support the idea of Black Lives Matter uh, and all of that stuff, but they would not be participating in any of these organized Black Lives Matters protest because I just, I, they wouldn't agree with the most, with the organization. I don't. I think most of them don't even think about the organization or what's behind the organization. They're just there for the movement of, you know, Black Lives do in fact matter. You know, and the whole police brutality. Yeah, well, uh, that's why and, they call it that because it's like okay, that's a statement that right. pretty much every American will agree with. Right. But the problem. Then, the problem nobody's is nobody's going to freaking argue with you. The problem yeah. is, is that the numbers show that a lot of people were gullible enough to believe them, and they donated over sixty million dollars. That uh, now we found out just a couple of days ago that apparently nobody in the Black Lives Matter organization uh, regulates any of that money, so nobody knows what happened to any of it. Right. Those three or four ladies, uh, I believe they're all ladies. There might be a man in there somewhere, but there, there it, was. It, it's corrupt. It, it's corrupt. It's a corrupt organization. And they took advantage of, you know, everybody for a movement against police well, brutality, which yeah. wouldn't need to happen. It's a domestic terrorist organization. It was just three basically. or four organiz- three people in an organization that laundered money out of everybody. And it was, but, and then to answer your point, Red, about the indoctrination and colleges, I, I fully agree with no federal funding should be going to these public universities, but uh, just who we, who decides what's indoctrination can be dangerous, even if yeah, we believe true. it's I the agree. correct. But uh, I, I like uh, Jordan Peterson's idea with, that you had mentioned about having just some sort of database that kind of exposes some of that. And I fully support the other side having a database that, you know, counter counteracts that database with professors that maybe lean too far right. It, it, once you start, well, right. One see, side, I think that professors who lean, like you know, I think that those professors are nearly non-existent. Right, and you, you probably are right. You, you want once to you have censoring... apolitical professors, I believe that's what everybody wants. Is an apolitical professor, to, you know, like like what the courts are supposed to be apolitical, but we all know that people have their own personal biases and preferences, so it's hard to get to that. To that level because once either is the right side or the left side the far left or far right starts trying to they get in power the majority of the senate and representatives you know state local level 
of the federal, once they start getting in power and making laws against the other side, that empowers that other side to come back harder. So, uh, yeah, just well, stop, it is, it is uh, like a all, pendulum. Yes, yeah, a seesaw so, effect. You know, uh, speaking of corrupt organizations and stuff like that, what do you have to think uh, about um, GoFundMe? You know, like, I, I'll use an example. Like we were just talking about Black Lives Matter, $60 million, and they don't even know where it goes, and nobody's organizing it. But they didn't give that money back. GoFundMe gives the money back or donates it to wherever they wanted to donate it to when people were trying to donate to the Freedom Convoy in Canada. And they completely took their money and did what if it, whatever they wanted to or didn't go where they were donating it to. What the hell? That's and ridiculous. That, and that's, that's I, I think, is a big problem with some of these donor organizations is that a lot of oftentimes you don't know where it's going and it makes it harder for people to be charitable. Well, the issue was in the fine print specifically with GoFundMe was the GoFundMe organization decides for whatever reason they don't agree with whatever that particular crowdfunding, you know, thing is and this thing is the freedom protesters and they have the right that you agreed to whenever you signed the agreement to, before you donated the money, they have the right to donate the funds to whatever, wherever they want to donate. To. So that's, that's, uh, it's, it's sketchy, but at the same time, that's on the user. They should have read the, it, it's both, it's sketchy on both sides. You should read the fine print. You should now be aware of what these crowdfunding sites have the ability to do, uh, I wouldn't be for regulating any crowdfunding site, but uh, I would just. I don't mean regulate, but I mean, mm. um, I mean something has to be, something has to be uh, made to be accountable because uh, a lot of people donate these things and they expect to be able to get a certain tax break on their donations, and if they're don't if they don't know where GoFundMe sending their money to, it makes it harder for them to to file it on their taxes. Would they not be able to just, if you donate money, no matter what, if it if somehow it gets diverted, whatever original cause you donated to, you should be able to claim that as a tax break, no matter, but no matter if they divert the funds, because um, that would be screwing the person that donated. Uh, but I also am okay or neutral on the fact that GoFundMe had in their terms of service that you agreed to before donating that they can, you know, divert the funds, but uh, they shouldn't be. Uh, is it screwing the people that donated on their taxes for tax breaks? Do you know if that's I'm happening? Not sure. I'm not sure because this is relatively new breaking information where right. uh, I, where GoFundMe is doing this. And so it, it have to, it have to be seen because I don't think, anything that's been reported as far as tax taxable stuff. But that's I do know that I donate uh, several portions of my state tax return to local in industries um, here in Mississippi. And then when I donate uh, other places, I often get a certificate mm -hmm. uh, so I can file that on taxes. I, I know that when I was working for my job uh, a while ago, I made sure to get a certificate of donation to an organization, I can't remember what it was. I have, I probably have a card of it in my, and no, I gave the card to my to my boss. Um, but 
they would give me that certificate for donating um, big giant spindles of, of yarn from Fruit of the Loom that they no longer wanted. I would donate it to them to, for their homeless shelter, whatever it was that they were using it for. And they gave us a certificate. And so I feel as though it's probably, there's probably some some clause that might be in the IRS because you know they are, they love screwing people out of money. And there's probably some clause in there that says if you don't have all your donations in a, in a row, you might wind up owing the IRS some money if you file it incorrectly on your taxes. And if people don't know where where their donation is going and they're looking to claim that, I think that's a problem. If, if in fact, that is something that happens on, on, on the IRS, I don't, I don't know if it happens on there, but I do know from my experience in filing taxes with donations on my taxes, tax returns, that I do have to report those certain certificate numbers if I have them. Right. It's a, I used to keep that stuff. And then what is it now? $10,000. Uh, well, they're not deductible, but it, it doesn't even start counting off towards your taxes unless you reach that $10,000 mark. And it changes from year to year. So I, I stopped even keeping. And, and it's state by state as well. Uh, but, you know, I just thought, I just thought that that was something that was completely, that was completely uh, absurd to me. That a company could get away with doing that, but then again, as you mentioned, it is in the in the contract that you sign when you do it. As long as it doesn't affect uh, the people who donated, you know, as a write off. Well, is that a write off to GoFundMe? Because is that considered donating to a nonprofit? I believe so. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, well, it well, shouldn't affect them. I, I don't know. I hope it wouldn't affect them. Yeah. If that counts, you know, towards a nonprofit, uh, no matter if they divert the funds or not, it, it shouldn't, there should be something in place to where they can still claim uh, that monetary donation, regardless. But see, but see, then my issue comes from, in some cases, they gave the money back. You know, what, like if you were donating to, I think, it, I think there was a report that they were donating to something that was right wing. I can't remember what it was. But GoFundMe wound up giving the money back to the donor, but and then, but in this case with the convoy, it just diverted the funds to something else. Which, if you were going to give it back to some people, why not give it back to all people? Now, obviously, we don't know the reasonings because we can't, we don't, you know, we don't know the yeah. inner workings of their business model and their business structure. But it was seen to be somewhat discriminatory uh, practices that they that they were participating in when it came to to how they decide uh, where uh, to divert and when to give it back. I saw something today that they had frozen the, some crypto, but they uh, they went to court and the court released it back to the, they, they allowed it to continue. So- uh, in, in Canada, I sent a report yesterday um, that they, they have been freezing the bank accounts of some business owners who supported the convoy who donated even $50 uh, to, to right. convoys. They've been freezing their bank accounts and basically shutting down their business because of that. That has happened. I, that's going to get tied up in court uh, and it's going to, it's, it's messed up, but I think the courts will consider that unconstitutional in their, in their laws. And yeah, uh, cause that Trudeau's got a whole, it's a, it's a mess over there right now. And, I, I don't know if you saw the thing where the guy threw a bunch of rocks at Trudeau the other day. 
hit Trudeau with a bunch of rocks. Uh, Trudeau decided they arrested him, but Trudeau decided not to press charges. I think he's realized that he screwed up, and so he's going to try to calm this situation uh, before he – he's realized see, he's made it worse. He seems like one of those he's woke types. Worse. Uh, to me, he seems like one of those woke types that's just going to keep doubling down on it until he has no room left to go and has yeah. to jump the plank. He has. He has so far. You think In you fact, were impressed? Uh, I saw a video um, of him within the House of Commons. Um, they were having a anyway. He was basically calling once again, calling these people uh, 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 Nazi sympathizers. Basically, people it was a Jewish lady and all this he stuff. Called a Jewish lady yeah. a Nazi yeah. sympathizer. Mm. Gotta plug my computer yeah, up. It was, and he refused to apologize when given the chance to three times. It, this guy is, you know, you, you remember when he said, um, somebody said something about mankind and he was like, we don't say that. Well, what we say is people kind. Yeah. He said person kind. Yeah. I remember that. He said people and kind. I'm like, people uh, kind. How can you be, how can you be this woke, but still be asleep? <laughs> how can you be this stupid? It's like, dude, who the hell says people kind? If you don't want to say mankind, you could say humankind. What the no, hell? No, but humankind has the word man in it. You know, at that time, dude, uh, feminists, so, feminists were pushing so hard at that time that you had to stop saying male man. You couldn't even say male, uh, you know, as a male man. They said, and said it was package carrier. That's, that's that's what they want to change it to, so and and then in California they changed the law in the courts where you can't refer to somebody by a gender pronoun. You have to call them a, a they or them. Yeah, when when so they go to court. Freaking. I'm in this. Uh, I'm taking a class right Some now. Some of this stuff is so absurd. I'm taking mm. fire instructor. It's a prerequisite for fire officer, and that's just a class you got to take once you've been in for so long. And uh, just uh, it's it how to make a lesson plan, how to teach material, how to do presentations in a classroom setting. And uh, yeah, just the just the the here, okay, you can't say this anymore. You got to say this. Be careful of how you know you word this. And you know, but it, it's good. But at the same time, is it maybe overdone? Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't, Certainly think there should be, I don't think there should be legal constraints on how, no, you know, on how, on how somebody says something. And I think that's when you get into the, especially well, in a country like America, are. that's supposed to, that's supposed to have freedom it's of speech. Not, it's not legal constraints. Yes, it is. In California, in California, you can uh, be charged with contempt of court if you refuse to use the, the, the pronouns that they have deemed appropriate. In New York, they well, changed the, they changed the law. They changed the law in New York to where you could be fined upwards of four hundred thousand dollars for calling somebody an illegal alien. Yeah, well, that that seems uh, pretty much analogous to Bill C sixteen in Canada. That uh, the the compelled speech, like it's it wasn't a, a prohibition of certain words. It was rather a enforcement of it was compelled speech it was just like okay this is 
This is not about what you can't say. This is about what you have to say. Yeah, I, uh, you can be held in contempt of court for rolling your eyes, but uh, yeah. just the the I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with the court. You know, I I don't like how judges can just be dictators in the courtroom. But what was the other case where you said they could be found? What was it? Found four hundred thousand. I put the four hundred thousand in New York for calling what? somebody an illegal alien. Just calling just a random person an illegal yeah, alien. Yeah, if you if you suspect somebody's a legal alien and you're on the streets and you say, Hey, you a legal alien, you could be charged upwards of four hundred thousand. That That's that a became criminal a, offense. I don't I don't know what the offense is. I I have to ask one of my friends who lives in New York, but it, it became a law that de Blasio passed into effect in New York City. Uh, can you imagine being charged of upwards of four hundred thousand dollars? Because you've caught somebody an illegal alien? Yeah, that's a, it's rude, maybe, but it shouldn't be a fine or it's, that's, that's a freedom of speech violation that I would imagine would have been overturned. Uh, I don't think it was. I, I don't think anybody took, took it to the court because, again, then again, New York City is it's hard to find, you know, they somebody. Stop and frisk laws, so. But New York City also has a horrible, you know, issue to bail with their bail reform. A guy pushed a woman into a train, oncoming train, and, and killed her, and he's already out on the streets. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, he said it, it's because I'm God. And then there's a Black Lives Matter charter guy <laughs> that just that just tried to assassinate a mayoral candidate, and he's already been released on on uh, on house arrest. Yeah, that was in Chicago. Yeah. I'm going to take a shot of whiskey, and I got a question for you gentlemen that I've I've been pondering, and it's a good question for the show. All right. Uh, I might take a shot myself. Whisker pillar. Hey, I, I love a good whiskey uh, and a good cognac if it's... Did you, ever it's get your, uh, did you ever get your green screen? No, I did not buy it yet because my job is uh, messing with my money. Did you get another job? No. Not yet. This is my job so, right now, wow. but they're messing with money because I I worked. Wow. Uh, it's, I, it's not really it. I worked really. a. I I know how many hours I worked. So when I get my paycheck, and my paycheck is a hundred and fifty bucks, and I know that I worked uh well over mm. well over uh for forty hours, and I know what my how much I get paid an hour, and you're only giving me hundred and fifty bucks. In other words, they shafted you. In other words, I have an investigation with the Department of Labor Wages and Hours Division. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I, that certainly won't be resolved anytime soon. No, it won't be, but it will be fun to be able to get that and and uh, all of my back due vacation. So, uh, I try to approach everything from a neutral perspective, a common sense perspective a fiscally conservative perspective and just uh, not legally, but just personally myself, just out of respect for an individual perspective. Uh, so all this to say this, there's a new law being thought about. And actually I looked it over and I pondered it and pondered it. And I think it's a good idea. So, most, uh, let's see, what's the term? 
residents, you know, uh, whether or not they're citizens here legally or illegally, they have to pay taxes. Now, not all of them because they'll sneak in and work under the table, but a good majority of them, and I've encountered this in the fire service with people getting pulled over that happen to be undocumented. Uh, they can't do anything with them. They'll just, you know, they get in the car wrecks and things, let them go. <clears throat> so there's a big push now in some areas up north to uh, go ahead and let the undocumented immigrants that are maybe paying taxes, maybe aren't, to uh, have driver's licenses, get driver's licenses. That'll help with the accident issue to be able to know who they are. But also, here's where I'm coming in hot. To be able to vote in local elections, what do y'all think about that? Absolutely not. I, if, I you're not pay, if you're paying taxes and get the driver's license, you're paying taxes. No, I don't think people who are illegal should should have any bearings on uh, the laws of the people yeah. who are illegal. Yeah. Let, let me, I would let me not oppose letting them have uh, was, letting them have registration. I, was, I would not oppose letting them have registration, though. Let me rephrase that. So the people that aren't aren't citizens but are paying taxes not necessarily undocumented but the people that aren't american citizens but are paying taxes say they're a legal resident would be allowed to vote in local and city elections what do you all uh, think it's already happened in new york and the issue uh the issue that i find that happens with that is is that if because uh, we don't know how many illegals there are for one but if they make up a significant majority of a particular area, they have more staying power than the people that are already there. And so their their needs will become more important than the needs of the actual citizen. And that's a problem because the citizen is more important than the non-citizen. That's just the way it has to be if we're gonna be a civilized society. What do you think, Rhett? Mm. Voting for city council and you know, um, yeah, well, hmm. yeah, I pondered you're it saying for several if, days. It's this person uh, pays taxes as far as like, well, like, to that issue, um, if, if they buy stuff, yeah, well, I mean, aside from that, if they buy stuff, they pay taxes anyway, sales tax. Um, but I don't really, I just don't think that it's a good path to start going down to allow non-citizens to vote in our elections. Um, it would set a precedent for it future would, I think it would. Well, yes, it would. Not, not only that, but it would, yeah. set, it would set a stepping stone for them to go to the federal level as well, I think. That's it just I mean, seems like it's not, it seems dangerous. And then not, then not the only that are dangerous, but that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. Not uh, only that, but I, I think it would it would set a it would it would diminish the entire reasoning for having our our legal immigration system. If you could just come in illegally, pay taxes, and be allowed to vote, it, that that would that was pretty much spit in the entire face of the of the system to become a, a legal resident to begin with. I, I phrased that wrong. I phrased that wrong to begin with. Uh, 
think illegal where they're going to give them driver's licenses, but because uh, there are, I could go into a whole hour long spiel about it, why that would be a good idea, but. I'm I'm not opposed to having them have some type of uh, registration for IDs or insurance because uh, you know I think that I think that's helpful. But you know, but then the problem becomes: uh, will will they attempt to use that that the ID to vote in a local or federal election? And then that problem becomes: are the poll workers doing their job and ensuring that? they check these identifications because you have some issues in places like California, New York, where illegals do have ID that is issued by the state and they do wind up voting in federal elections and they already have the rights to vote in some local elections in some of these states. Uh, New York, uh, Mayor Eric Adams just put, put that into law where they have the right to vote and they have the right to vote on the school boards as well. And that changes the dynamic completely for, for these areas. Um, so I, d- I don't disagree with the idea of giving them registration, you know, for, to drive and, or, or to work things like that, but uh, it becomes a different issue Sorry, altogether when, when you give them the, the, the vote, yeah. uh, you know, um, because the, I mean, the law is right now already that you can vote in a local election. And I, I think it's I think you can vote in federal election. I'm not sure. I have to go look it up. But you can if you have a workers permit or a green card, you can vote in elections. So that, if, that's essentially what I was saying. The, but the if you give residents. if you give illegals who came into the country the same right as people who have worked, and you know you know I we I talked with David Sellers about this. And we, we're in agreement that the process is just way too time consuming and uh, corrupt as so many things are with politics and government. But mm. if you allow these people to basically just cut in line on the people who have been waiting, it kind of destroys the entire reason for having the line in the first place. I would like to see an Yes, Ellis it Island. does. And I you know, mm. I said that I said the same thing on my show, but Rhett corrected me because I said Easter Island instead of Ellis. <laughs> yeah, Easter Island. Easter yeah, Island statue head. Backed up. Our it's, the process is backed up. What was a good idea? Maybe now needs to be reformed in a way to not just let a free for all mm. in this country, but uh, you know, I, just easy, easy. We to have be- veterans getting deported. It needs to be more streamlined, you know. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be faster. All these processes need to happen within thirty days of the application's initial application. Yeah, but I mean, it's real easy to say that, but it's a whole different thing to try to implement something like that. I know it is, but I think speaking, everyone's aware of that. Like, but speaking as somebody who's worked for federal for federal government, I know that it does not take that long to do these applications because I've done them, and I've done, and I've tried, and I've been trying for years. Oh. To, to you, the USCIS, and a lot of it is just wording. And the problem is, is that these agencies do not tell the applicants the wording that they should be using and what it means to have a sponsor, because not just anybody can be your sponsor. You have to have it within certain metrics for the USCIS and for some of these groups, and they don't let you know that. I would just do like a 
if I ever had to do immigrate, had to have an opportunity to work on immigration reform, I would suggest an Interpol background check. Um, just simple uh, screening for communicable diseases and uh, the ability to get a job and just work and I don't know what all the requirements are, but that seems sufficient enough to. I think uh, what, I think another problem citizen. with our immigration thing right now is uh, these asylum claim issues, because most of these people who claim for asylum don't apply for it anyway. It's like 98% are rejected on that claim. So America ne needs to, in my opinion, do away with the asylum clause uh, in less than time of warfare. Um, but and because you have, you still have to have the line. You need to have a system that works for everybody. And if and if some people can think they can rush the border because they uh, have a crappy country and they're trying to get away from it, and they want better opportunity, yeah. that's not that's not mm. a reason for asylum. You know, now well, if you're now, if you're, you're Cuba, if your dictator is trying to actively kill you and you did not do anything that was wrong you know you didn't break any laws okay that's different but I, you there's want, also you want plenty of other countries around the world that will take uh, yeah yeah but in your know, will i mean international asylum law says that you seek asylum in the first country's borders that you cross into so mexico guatemala el salvador they're all right there so you know america needs to stop broadening their scope when it comes to some of these immigration laws. We have, you know, I don't think we need more laws. I think our laws we have on the books right now need to be reformed and tweaked and, and condensed and can make more concise and they need to be applied strictly. That's the way I would do I it. I think that that will always be the case with our laws. They'll, well, that's the point. They constantly... That's the point of having the discussion and the point of our political system and why it was built for gridlock because, but that's the left and the right are also necessary. They occupy specific niches in society based on really personality type, but the dialogue is necessary. Uh, you not have just one. Because things always need to be up there. Right. I mean, I agreed with that, but I'm saying that the, the major issue, the major massive issue that's going on right now it's because our laws at the border are barely being in, uh, enforced, especially when you're able to have the sitting president of the United States authorize people to be flown across the country in, in, in midnight uh, jets and shifted all over the place. You know, that's not, that that is incentivizing people to come. If you strictly enforce the law as it is written, and I know there are no. some laws on the books that need to be changed because they are egregious or need to be removed. That's why I say you should condense it. We don't need more laws. We need less. But apply them as they are strictly. Do not allow a, you do not allow a wa wavering of the code of law on the border because that just allows more incentivization of people to come here illegally. I know it sounds harsh, but uh, you have to do you have to do something to discourage people from making that track. Well, Biden actually told them to to surge the border verbatim. That's what he said. He said, surge the border. 
Did y'all see that video of the um, those uh, immigrations and customs uh, or border patrol officers getting into an argument with the the chief of the? Um, yes, I saw that. Where the head of the organization? Where he's yes. telling them that um, yeah, yeah, I seen that, and he's he's like he's like y'all are getting bogged down in politics and policy, yeah, yeah. and then that guy's like. Uh, for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Yes, and he's like, you, yeah, yeah, that's I the problem, that. sir. Yeah, because he straight up said, no, we're not doing anything. He's like, no. He's like, you are doing something. He's like, no, we're not, sir. No, yeah. we're not. And that's, it, it, that's it's, very it's, it's, it's hard to watch that because you listen to the voice of the person speaking. He's Hispanic. Yeah. You know, well, the, 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 of major, the majority of our border enforcement is Hispanic. I think it's like 58% yeah. of the border enforcement is Hispanic. Yeah, it's a lot. And so they understand the hardships that these people are trying to flee from, but they also understand that we have laws and systems and laws, and they want people to come here the right way in order to have opportunity. That's just how it is. And it, and then you have the people in the media proclaiming that these border agents are racist, trying to keep these people out, and they and that they don't, you know, that they they're anti-Mexican or anti uh, this and that, and it's not the case. These people 100% understand the plight that these people are trying to go, uh, escape from, but they understand that we have laws, and laws need to be followed. Otherwise, why have a government at all? Well, yeah, why not? Why do you lock your house? Because there's a border. The fundamental debate between the left and the right is borders. And I'm not just talking about national borders. I'm talking about borders as it relates to every single thing in your life. Boundaries, a lot of people call it. It's like that's basically what a left wing perspective is, uh, you know, everything should be open. And the right wing is like everything should be, you know. There needs to be a constant debate between the two to determine well of cocaine. Well, the left, know, the left wing, let's have the left borders, wing is uh, maybe, it's all about open borders until you go to their personal stuff. Then they want it closed. Well, that's yeah, yes. The point is, we need both, but like specifically as it relates to the national border, the southern border, it's a crisis. That's why we call it the crisis. It's 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 a demographic takeover by the left. And it doesn't get any attention in the press. Not nearly enough is, attention. Watch a documentary yeah, on YouTube. And uh, there are imminent domain issues that aren't on CNN. They aren't on Fox News that. Uh, hey, one second, please hold your thought. Uh, we have a comment from Tiffany Michelle on the Facebook stream. She said that she missed the primary focus. Uh, I don't know. Yes and no. Primary focus was on asset forfeiture uh, earlier on, but this is a very informal, um, informal episode. So uh, just stick with us. We're going to be. We're talking with Alden. Um, I don't want to. No, keep Tiffany. Uh, hey, Tiffany. Long. <laughs> but we're talking with him and we're letting him speak to you guys directly. And that way you get to know who your possible uh, congressperson can be. So, yeah, you're you're um, you're not missing anything. You're joining in. You can ask questions. And if you have any questions for me, uh, leave it 
down there and I'll ask Alden the question that you might have for him and just stay tuned. We're just having a nice discussion. Oh, sorry about that, Alden. Hey, Tiffany. We're, uh, we, uh, we're just we're rambling and talking about different topics. Uh, but uh, you know you can always message me or call me and uh, you know, clarify anything. She's a good person. Okay. I'm sorry about interrupting you on that one, but can, can, you can go back to your thought that you had. Uh, yeah, there's an imminent domain crisis on the border where some of the walls put up by past administrations and Trump and, as you know, it's not a single wall like we think of, you know, it, it breaks, but there's, it's a straight line. It doesn't follow the border exactly. And so you know, the Rio Grande, but we've got Americans living on American soil, but on the southern side of the border wall. They live on the Mexican side of the border wall, but are Americans living on American soil. And uh, the solution was to put gates up to let their cows and farm equipment through, and they have codes. They're constantly harassed by border patrol. Uh, these are people that own the land and maybe happen to live on the Mexican side of the wall on their own property in America. Uh, that, that needs to be addressed. It, it's, there's, that, that comes to mind when I think of stuff like this. Uh, we need to reevaluate how we're doing this because what we're doing now, what we've been doing isn't working. You know, it would be much easier if the Southern border was similar to our Northern, to our Northern uh, neighbors but it's not. So there's a lot more complexities that come in through here, particularly because the Southern border, most people think that it's always anti-Mexican. It's never that because the Mexicans are not the problem. They never have been. The problem has been the people that have been coming in through the Mexican side of the border, uh, the El Salvadorans, the Guatemalans, the Hondurians, a lot of these, lot of these coyotes and gangbangers coming from, yeah. from there well, and then and now we have people all over the world now we've got muslim extremists and i'm not saying muslim extremists to yeah. try to make people be anti-muslim but you have muslim extremists and terrorists from afghanistan and iran and you have people from africa and asia all over the world coming into the southern border and that that's where the issue yeah. comes in because if you just let these they people in and, you, and you and you don't vet them you don't know where they come from, and you, so you don't know what harm they might mean to America. You know, uh, especially now that Joe Biden has basically eliminated uh, the Taliban from the no-fly list uh, to America and no-travel list to America, so they can come in through the southern border because now Joe Biden's giving them the green light, and that's a problem because now we don't know who's coming through there. If we can't vet them, if we can't have some type of security system there and, you know, private property, private land, I think is a problem. But the government needs to stop being so stingy because they're not spending the money right anyway and start, you know, offering a, a decent paycheck to these people if they want to build on their land. Give them a residual income for that. Rent, rent the land out to the government. What? I'm saying, like, if you want to, like, say, say, if I own a piece of land that's on the border, and the government wants to build their wall on that piece of land because it goes straight through there, 
the government should stop being so stingy and actually offer me a fair rate for that land and and then I and allow them to be rented out to the government. That's what I mean. You know, instead of trying to yeah, seize I mean, that as government property. No. Well. Doesn't solve the issue of people living on the Mexican side of the wall, but on American soil and they're having their property split in half by the wall, I guess is what I was getting at. I'll send you all that documentary link later. Y'all be interested in looking at it. It's a 15 minute documentary or so. Is it a YouTube one or is it on? Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, because I, I, I'm getting ready to get rid of Netflix because they keep raising my price and they keep they keep removing everything I like to watch. And then they raise my price. Like, like what? They're like at $19 now. And I'm like, you don't even have anything I like to watch anymore. You took off all my documentaries. Amazon Prime just went up, man. Yeah, they did. And plus, I'm paying Amazon extra on Amazon. Ridiculous, man. I'm putting extra Amazon Prime for Boomerang and Stars anyway because... You know, I got to pay extra for Boomerang because I love to watch Johnny Quest. Boomerang. Yes, I got Johnny to have. Quest. I got to have my Johnny. Oh, Johnny yes. I got to have Johnny, Johnny Quest. Bravo. I got to have. Uh, you know, I'm surprised they don't have Dexter's Laboratory on there. I'm a little ticked off with that. Um, I, I got to have Adam Ant and all of those. But and then I'm paying for Stars because I got to have the Jeffersons and I got to have Good Times and Sanford and Son. So. I'm paying extra, and then I was paying extra for HBO because I love watching John Adams on HBO. Uh, I think Good it's show. probably the most important. It's probably the most accurate and probably one of something that children need to watch in in uh in high school. To be honest, I realize how whiny he was, dude. You remember that show on uh that used to come on P- PBS, I think, called Liberty's Kids. I I don't think so. Sounds yeah, I do. The only things I remember on PBS yeah. in the in morning. Time or something. No, oh yeah, was, uh, yeah, like I remember that Revolutionary one. War. You go back in time, and I remember that one. But oh, PBS, I remember In Between the Lions, Reading Rainbow, uh, Wishbone. Remember uh, Cyber Chase? I remember Cyber Chase. It's still on. It's still on PBS. <laughs> I think. Uh, I remember. I remember Zabumafu, which my New York friends don't remember. Don't know Zabumafu. Zabumafu. The Wild Crap Brothers and Zabumafu. Weird shit. You know that lemur died when we were in when we were in middle school. No, I mean I figured he was probably deceased. He he was sixteen years old when he died. (laughs) You know, that's old for a lemur. How did they get? I was always just like, how the hell did they get into talk? (laughs) <laughs> obviously i know <laughs> but i i used to love that show it's my favorite show I, I used to come on uh but you know now now they've got oh now they've got shows on the on their uh what is it word girl and like there's that show of some kid named diego or something like that i don't know but, you know go diego go is that it uh, i don't know i don't know That's it's that was a Nickelodeon. Yeah, you know, Nickelodeon. Dora's cousin. The, Nickelodeon is not the same. Dora's cousin, dude. Yeah. We we used I to have. Freaking, I, I we, never. We used to have cartoons that made you think. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 a plug. I mean, we used to have cartoons that made you think about stuff. I think that's why we're so uh, so different as a generation. But then again, think about it mm-hmm. though. Think about the difference in how cartoons have changed. And Johnny Quest, you get to see race actually kill people. 
on screen in a cartoon, really shoot people. Now that will never fly on Cartoon Network. You will never see that. You used to see what? Race ban on Bannon. Johnny Quest used to kill people on screen and and Johnny Quest. I remember the episode uh-huh. where where they uh it was called the Castle and the Gargoyle and he was supposed to be stealing the secret formula from the scientists in the castle. So he dressed up as a gargoyle and, but he was telling the, the guy who hired him, he's like, ah, I want my money. Hey, my money, I want my money. He's like, you don't talk to me that way. And then the next morning, the guy's sitting on top of the castle acting as a, as a gargoyle. And he comes out and he says, I'll teach you to talk to me that way. Pulls out a gun and shoots him. And he falls dead right in front of Johnny and Haji. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. and then you had uh, straight up. Both, what channel was that on? That's that was on Cartoon Network. It was boring. That was Johnny Quest. Oh yeah. And then there was a uh, that was the episode um, of the Looney Tunes when Bugs Bunny pulled a gun out and killed a guy for coughing while he was trying <laughs> to do it off. <laughs> Every time I'm he gets ready to teach you to give me COVID. Every time, every time he gets ready to play the piano, the guy's just going, <laughs> and Bugs, he's, he got tired of him. He just, just pulled like, where's your and, mask? He, pulled a, he didn't even say anything. He just pulled a gun out and killed him and then started playing the piano. Like, mm. this wouldn't fly in, today, him, <laughs> in today's cartoons. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. Cartoons started getting shittier, like, around the time that we stopped watching them. They really did because remember when we were watching cartoons, you had the Powerpuff Girls, and you know it was all girl power this, but they were it was watchable, it was very enjoyable. I like the Powerpuff Girls, that was one of my favorite shows, it was one of mine too. But then the Powerpuff Girls came back, and then Bubbles is twerking with a panda bear. Man, come on, and and aren't they supposed to be in kindergarten? And the Samurai Jack came back, it it, it came back, and it was still good. Samurai Jack. I used to love Samurai Jack. Jack will always, yeah. I remember dude. the uh, the first episode. It's the freaking two character show. Aku. I remember. I remember that. Uh, and then you know, you know what? I'm I, I'm a little saddened that it took me all the way until I until I turned twenty three. Uh, no, no, I know how old, how old am I? Oh, it took me until I was twenty seven to to watch. Avatar: The Last Airbender for the first time, and I watched it, and I'm like, "What? I missed this as a child? I I, I didn't watch it because everybody mm, at school was yeah. like, oh, it's the it's the greatest thing since Dragon Ball Z.' I'm like, no, it's not.' And I didn't watch it. Well, and then, and then now I watch them like I missed was, this. Though. I missed this. This was so good. Yeah. I don't like Legend of Korra though. I don't know what that is. That's Legend the, of Korra. It's the Avatar. Uh, um, it's it's you know Avatar Aang he's like the two hundred something but then now Korra's his descendant or whatever and it's not as good as the I've never heard of that I didn't know they made something like that yeah it's not as good yeah well can't be I really wasn't a super like I didn't watch Avatar like of that much but when i did because mostly because i didn't i really didn't like nickelodeon but i did watch it from time to time i i never watched it until <laughs> until last year oh I'm, I'm like i've been missing this all this time oh somebody should have told me 
what they did tell me. I just didn't believe them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You thought they were just being like cringy and stuff. Yeah. Like, especially because of all these weird kids. Especially because at the time, you know, we had, we had a tsunami and on Saturday mornings. And so, Dude. you know, that's where all Dude, the shows no. were. So I'm like, you know, the only time I yeah. went to Nickelodeon was to watch Jimmy Neutron and the Fairly Odd Parents and maybe SpongeBob. Yeah. I hate Tsunami what, came on at 11. Fuck SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Tsunami used to come on in the mornings. What was the one at night? The robot. That, that's Adult Swim. No. The robot. Yeah, yeah robot, a, robot. That, that's Tsunami too. Tsunami. Oh yeah. Oh, Tsunami. They they canceled Tsunami back in like early two thousands, and then it came back, but it came back as a nighttime block. Mm, uh, I remember only on Saturdays. Yeah, it came on right after. Uh, it, it was only it was only on Saturdays that it came on when it came back in the nighttime, and that's when. And then then they canceled it again, and then it came back again on Saturdays and then Toonami became basically just a Saturday night anime block where on Saturday nights it was all anime till like 1130 then it became adult swim again yeah but yeah but when when we when it used to come on back in the 90s and the early 2000s it used to come on in the mornings uh before school uh before school because things like Code Lyoko used to be on there and Toon- and Toonami they, used they put Code Lyoko on Maguzi. Toonami used to um, uh, was like the first with airing GX and stuff. Yeah, and Toonami was yeah. the first airing of um of Code and Kiss Next Door as well. Yeah, I hated that show. Oh, I used to think that I, 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 I hated that. Show. I used to think that I really could go out there and make a magic treehouse that could you know do all the crap that they did in there. Yeah. Especially living in the country where you didn't have any toys, you didn't have anything to do, no internet, no nothing. So I'm like, you know, we got we have to be outside. And so, you know, our tree houses were not as as uh wonderful as the kitten and store. Never but had a tree house. <laughs> our tree houses were not into trees, actually. Uh what we what we did yeah. was um dear Hurricane Katrina had forts. Dear Hurricane Katrina people dropped off forts. a whole bunch of a whole bunch of shingles and pieces of plywood and then down the street at mr hunt's house he he had a junkyard so we would go down the street and grab a whole bunch of knickknacks you know old tvs and refrigerators and 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 things and we just pull them out of there and he says we take them back up the road into the woods we find some branches and stuff we put the plywood on the branches and make a table out of it and sweep take rakes and go in there and chop down things and rake out and my grandmother threw away a couch so we took the couch and brought it into the back of the woods and uh old computer brought it into the back of the woods and well we, we had a whole bunch of stuff back there and <laughs> that's still in the back of the woods uh and, that, and that's what we did um old bicycles and we just take it and we never we never nailed anything the only thing we ever nailed was like we would nail uh, some of the stuff into the tree, like we took the we took a shelf out of a refrigerator and we nailed it into a tree, and we would put bottles of, uh, like people would throw bottles of the liquor and stuff on the side of the road, and it'd be empty bottles or empty oil bottles, and we take them back and stick them in there, like like that's the stuff that we drink. <laughs> but you know, 
it was things were simpler then, you know. Yeah. Well, you, well, you didn't have that much to do, not that many games. So, you know, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis were still our main console until PlayStation Two came out, and then we we didn't even get one of those yeah. until until PlayStation uh, One. And N64 and everything like that. So, you know, we weren't allowed to play it all the time. So we had to be outside. And it was fun because, you know, we found a hole in the middle of the road and we would take, uh, you know, those little red berries that are on those trees that are, that are not edible berries. We would take those little red berries and we, uh, we, I call them Jurassic Park leaves. Now I know that they're conifers, but we would take those leaves off the tree, go grab a bottle off the shelf with that little oil and little liquor bottle and pour it into this hole in the ground. And we were like, oh, we're making a potion, the witch doctor stuff. <laughs> Things that we saw on TV. And it's like, oh, we're making chemical X. Uh, those are those are fun times. <laughs> but speaking on things like that, uh, ju- just to just to kind of lighten the mood on the questions, you know, just this week, I saw the most important movie trailer of this decade for me. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion trailer came out. Well, did you guys have you guys seen that trailer? I've oh. heard the movie was coming out. I haven't seen the trailer. Yet. The movie's going to come out June tenth, two thousand twenty-two. They said. So that means it's coming out uh, this year in June. We all need to go see it. And my my God, that trailer! Oh, I mean, it's not a spoiler for me to talk about the trailer, mm-hmm. is it? Uh, maybe depends on what you reveal. Oh man, you guys I'll need to watch. watch it this. Later. You guys need to watch that trailer because when I got to see what I saw in that trailer, it brought me back to Jurassic Park one all over again. Like they like when I first saw Jurassic World, the first one, and I heard the theme. Again, because I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan. That's 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 the whole reason why I got into paleontology to begin with. Jurassic Park and the Land Before Time, my favorite films of all time. And when I first saw Jurassic World, and I saw the park completed, and got to see that hologram of John Hammond. You know, Richard Attenborough had died about uh, two two or three months before the film came out, and I got to see that, and oh, it took me right back to my childhood and a feeling of warm nostalgia come right over you and then this trailer after after seeing it uh took me all the way back and then i got to see some of the new dinosaurs that got showed up in there and i'm like wow i was not expecting them to put this in there you know uh some of the some of the cooler dinosaurs that people don't talk about very often because we don't have full fossils records of them but i think this year um I'm definitely going to have to go see that because that'll be the first time I've been to the movies since Godzilla uh, 2014. What? You ever been to the yeah. movies since 2014? Yeah, it was the last time I went to the movies was to see Godzilla. That's, that's almost a decade. <laughs> Crazy, man. Yeah, the last time I went to the movies was to see Godzilla 2014. And, um, no, wait, actually, I did go to the movies after that. Uh, the last time I went to the movies with my friends was to see Godzilla. I went to the movies again um, to see on a date to see the Emoji movie, and mm. then I went on another date okay. to see um, the uh, Captain Underpants movie. 
which was not as good as the books. No, <laughs> nowhere near. It was still funny though. But that was the last time I went to the movies. And that was in 2000 and ooh, 2016, 2017. So still, still a while, still a while ago. I haven't been to the movies since 2019. So this would be the first time. I don't really ever go to the movies. Like I really don't care about going to the movies. If it's if it's something that I support, oh, I'm gonna go. You know, I wanted to go to the movies to watch the Hobbit Battle Five Armies, but you know, I bought I bought the movie instead because I I didn't go to see it in theaters because none of my friends wanted to watch it with me because you know they didn't want to sit through three movie. I don't but really I, watch movies. I love J.R. Tolkien's work, so I wanted to watch it. And so I so I bought them. And but this year, I mean, this year's got some pretty good movies coming out. You know, I'm I'm surprised that Jurassic World is coming out so early. Uh I thought I thought I'd at least have to wait another year to see it. And then I've never seen Jurassic World even. Uh, you blasphemer. I might have to I might have to remove your host privileges. Um but uh, Disney just had the, uh, what's it called? I just seen it on Facebook. They had um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Madness trailer come out. I haven't seen that trailer yet, but it's supposed to set up the next phase of Disney stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I'm thinking that we're finally now going to be able to, well, we've been doing it down here in the South for a while, you know, going back to normal. But I think with Disney doing that, Universal Pictures doing this, it's finally telling them that COVID is over and it's time to get back to normal. I mean, COVID pretty much single-handedly killed the movie industry uh, as far as, you know, theaters are concerned. Yeah. So so it's yeah, good to him see that. And Alec Baldwin did that. <laughs> yes, Alec Baldwin. You know, yeah, he's in, he's uh finally getting sued for that. You know, and that CGI video is eerie. There's no way he didn't do it on purpose. And what makes it even worse is that that interview he did where he's like, um, he doesn't feel any guilt for it at all. And he says he doesn't know who did it, but what he can t- he says he doesn't know who responsible he doesn't know who's responsible for shooting the person, but what he can say is it wasn't him. But you're the guy who was who held the gun, and shot the gun. But not only that, you're the producer, the executive producer. So all the responsibility falls onto you. How are you not going to clear the chamber? You know, I don't know if it was a revolver or semi-automatic, but clear the you know you clear the chamber. It's just common sense. I don't. Don't use a real gun. I don't know. See, their their entire excuse was that they were supposed to be firing blanks. Yeah. For 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 more for more realism, but he says that somebody loaded it with a live round. Well, it's your job as the producer to make sure you know what's there. Like, who ordered live rounds to begin with? Do you? if you're the executive producer, you should have some idea of who, of what's coming in, who's ordering what. And even then, and even then, you know, can't you use? I know you want to have realism, but can't you use a cap gun? I mean, they make cap guns that look pretty dang real nowadays. I don't know. Or at the very least, right, use a BB gun. 
and tell and have them have on some body armor right there. I mean, don't pump it so hard, but you know, at the very least, do something like that. But and, and then uh, they were they I cut think the, that he killed they, her on purpose, dude. Yeah, I'm with Red. Uh, well, there's a prop gun. There is some there is some conspiracy theory about him killing her on purpose that says that she they say she did no i'm saying this 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 is the conspiracy Mm. that she was connected to the clintons that was the conspiracy i don't think no man i don't it ain't ain't got nothing to do with that i'm I'm not i'm not saying that that's what i believe i'm saying that there is a conspiracy theory that says that she was a the wife of a lawyer to the clintons and that (laughs) that she died as a result of that's of, of that the, the, that's yeah. the that's the tinfoil no. theory running around. It's just that Alec Alec Baldwin is a rage machine, and he was pissed off. Like, if you go and look at this, like the budget had been cut, people had been leaving, there had been prior accidents taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, not that serious, but well, not you know, that only was that. All st- and then, of course, she was like. I'm sure that they did not get along based on what he said about her personality. It's it's not hard to think about. Okay. He's not just only like, that, but Alec Baldwin is on Remember record saying like, a lot of stuff. See it? Can you see it? Can you see it? Well, f- imagine him saying that with a slightly perturbed tone. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? He's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger. Like, dude, you had to have pulled the trigger or you had to have been already, you, you had to have pulled it down. And then when you let off the hammer, it, it was a revolver, but it could not have fired if he didn't have the trigger depressed. And if you look at the CGI video that just came out from, yeah, from it that was, lawsuit, it was shocking. Dude, he's freaking. He's two feet he's away. Five feet away from him. And the camera is, it's, she was, he, he was clearly pointing a gun at her. There was no ambiguity about it at all. He had to have done it on purpose. There's no way he didn't know. Maybe he it's was trying to scare her and just shot her anyway, you know. Man. And then and then he's like, Did she faint? Dude, you freaking know, man. That interview is just like he just tells one lie after another. Yeah. And you know, Alec Baldwin has a record of saying of of saying the most grotesque violent things. I mean, even if they were just about Trump. But he has a history of violence. He got arrested on on violence on battery charges yeah. before. He's a you know, rage he, machine. He, exactly. So yeah, I agree with you both. That he did it on purpose because, as like like you guys have said, there is, I I don't see any reasonable scenario where you are using a gun that has live rounds. You're the executive producer, and you say that you don't know where the live rounds came from. They should have used the prop gun if that was the intention. You don't use a live, you don't use yeah. a, a real firearm in a movie. I, I don't know. It, well, they weren't even shooting. They were just setting up the shot. This was not, they were just rehearsing. They really weren't even rehearsing yet. They were just setting up the, watch the, CGI. the shot. It, it's, a, it's a very short it clip, but it is. Me. It is. Uh, yeah. It 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 tells so much information just on that short clip that that of that CGI, uh, the of the closeness that he was to him, and the speed in which it happened. Gentlemen, I hate to cut this short. Y'all have any more 
questions for me? No, not really. That's why I was just about to say no. too. I looked at the time and seen that it was over three hours. Yeah. You've been recording, and so I wanna I wanna give you the floor. Uh, yeah, anything that you wanna let our, let your constituency know before you go. I mean, what, what events you got going, coming up, where can they come and see you, things of that nature? Well, I'm in the Pedal Hattiesburg area. Uh, you can always message me on Facebook, Alden Johnson for Congress. Uh, just reach out to me. Well, okay. I'd be more than happy to talk to you and answer any questions that you have. Okay, well, I thank you for yeah. joining us, Alden. Hey, thank you all. didn't yeah. intend to keep you this long. Um, yeah, no, no problem. I enjoy that. talking with y'all. Thank yeah. you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, well, uh, anytime. Um, you're always welcome to come on. All right. Well, I hope I, you know, I'm going to keep in touch with y'all. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming back. And this has been the story of America. We thank you guys for uh, joining in with us live here. Go ahead and head out, Alden. You too. And we thank you guys for joining us here. Me and Rhett are working on, on a number of projects together. Uh, who do we have coming up on our next show, Rhett? Uh, next Friday, we have um, Raymond Brooks, Republican candidate. Yes, I was quite um, interested. I'm also in... in uh, Johnny Dupree soon. I don't know what day yet, but I, you sent me March second. Man, I've managed. I didn't say no. The, the other one I told you was March the fourth. Um, that would be. I don't oh, know. No, 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 no. That's that's, last that's, Kate, that's Casey. Uh, yeah, yes, the, the free uh, speech. The host of Free Speech Northwest. Um, Casey O'Coop. I don't know how to O'Coupe, say. O'Coupe. I would but, say. Yeah, well, he's he's got a show on YouTube. I suppose it's a podcast, but um, he's got a small following on YouTube and a few other platforms. But uh, this was in an uh, effort to set up some collaborations with other shows and get some guest spots for us on shows that already have followings because it seems to me that that is the best way to go about growing our audience because that's the way that we you know those people are that watch those shows first of all we already know they watch podcasts and they watch podcasts that are you know they've already got the app open you know they're already listening to something and then they discover us it's nothing for them to just go over and type our our show in and and save us so that's why i reached out on, on a facebook group and he responded um he's actually commented on the first post i made in a uh, a facebook podcast guest collaborative uh, collaboration group and i'm quite satisfied i i also have taken some taken a couple of leaps i joined the actual page is a part of the anchor podcast page and every Thursday, I do put in our latest material. So just this Thursday, I just put in our latest uh, latest show, which, which is the one that I did two days ago. Um, I put that one in uh, on their page, which will link them to all of the rest of our shows as well. And that gives us a little bit more information. But also, um, 
for as a show, we have certain certain needs of you, our viewers and listeners, because our primary issue right now is trying to transfer uh, clicks to the page to clicks to the podcast. And you know, I share uh, I share all of our content to the podcast uh, of the podcast to the Facebook page. But we need to be able to get that transferable to you guys. So we need you guys to start clicking on that content, liking and sharing it and downloading as many times as you can. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. And we're also trying to get you guys to engage a little bit more. So in in various episodes nowadays, um, I'll add questions and polls to some of these episodes to get some intake because that intake helps us get ready to prepare for other episodes. It lets us know what you like to hear, what you like to see, what have you learned from episodes and some, and some types of episodes that you want to see from us in the future and things that you might want to hear us talk about in the future. I know that Rhett has planned for future uh, talks uh, on some philosophical stuff, particularly some, uh, some Carl Jung things. And I have some particular issues that I would like to discuss that, that I have already started discussing for this month where I talked on a great length about some issues in the black community and stuff that needs to change that needs to change from black people in the community and also focusing on other things that my personal likes and wants and stuff like that. So there are other avenues other than just raw politics that we'll be able to discuss, but we need and and need your your guide, your guidance and your support in order to get this done. It allows us to produce more content that is more varied when we know what it is that you guys like to see. We, we probably need to set up, you know, I, I doubt that if all of the people who followed our page watched at least a minute of each episode that that would drastically increase our number of listeners and our number of listens. And, um, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much, but also we might need to think about setting up uh, crowdfunding. If we can attempting it at least to a, you know, to, to get to start accepting small donations if and, anyone would be willing to do that and you know the thing is is when it comes down to things you know Rhett and I handle two very different things with the on on the podcast um obviously I'm I'm the owner so a lot of these decisions usually come down to a yes or no from me which most of the, uh, practically all of the time I say yes to what to whatever Rhett suggests uh, because his suggestions uh, gave him uh, the same amount of power as I have on the Facebook page. When I gave him the administrative ability, he has the exact same powers that I have. So I consider Rhett to be an equal on on this decision makings. But when it comes down to funding this, it comes out of my direct account. And all of our crowdsourcing and things of that nature, it goes into a different account that I, that holds that it just holds money until I decide to move it over. And there's, there's not a lot in there, but 
I'm going to start investing more money into advertising for this. Um, I've been in talks with Spotify for a while. I finally come come to a decision that as of right now, the optimal budget level for us is about $250 to get this started for an advertisement campaign. And that will advertise our podcast to other sources and other places. And according to some of the data that I was able to get from Spotify, doing this should be able to uh, increase our views by around 10,000 or so. So those numbers. You really think it'll make that? I mean, where where will it be advertised at? It'll be advertised in all of Spotify's podcast. And it won't be and we we ten thousand. That's what that's what their numbers and their metrics are saying that it should be able to increase our our uh, audience per size. Episode? I'm not saying by per episode. I'm thinking maybe ten thousand unique listeners, but that's what it's saying is that it should increase our numbers by that by that amount. And if it's true, then it's a it's an investment that is worth it. And so if we're going to do anything crowdsourcing, $250 is the area uh, of degree that I'm looking at right now. Um, I'll try to fund it as best I can uh, coming up soon. Um, not too soon, probably be sometime in April, um, but it will be, it is in the works. I've also got some, some talks going with Anchor about uh, getting some different sponsors because right now Anchor is our only sponsor for us to make ad revenue off of. And that ad revenue stream, it has increased because we have been able to reach so many different uh, listeners and viewers. When I first started it, I was averaging only about 15 cents. Now my averaging has increased to, I think my last, last time I checked, my numbers were about $1.19. And we have room to grow up to $15 for advertisement block, according to Anchor Sponsorship. But there are other sponsors that we can that we can gain. And so I'm in talks trying to do that. So it's important for us uh, to continue to grow our show at the rate that we want to grow it for our viewers to like and share our content and view at least 10 minutes of our content because that allows those unique listeners to come in and allows the ad revenue stream to come in, which allows us to get larger sponsors and uh, fills in that gap, makes it easier for us to produce this at a level where I feel comfortable being able to pay the staff that works on the show. Now, with that said, Rhett, do you have any anything additional to add before we end tonight's episode? No, I don't think so. I think that's about it. Oh, this one went on quite a bit longer than I anticipated. Yeah, but it was a great conversation. And, you know, that's part of the story. Uh, but uh, one other thing. I've started streaming to Facebook uh, as well, not Facebook, but uh, YouTube as well. But YouTube, as you guys know, I told you this um, on my Facebook page, and I think I probably mentioned it in two, two, or the, two of the last episodes that I did, uh, one with Jay and one with my guest, Michael Jordan. Um, 
But YouTube, obviously, they have some censorship issues, which makes it difficult for us to be able to ask certain questions of candidates. But I don't care about YouTube. I'm going to continue to ask the questions and use our freedom of speech to the best of our ability. YouTube isn't paying us anything right now anyway. So we're going to continue to do it and we're going to stream to YouTube. But just be mindful that if you want to be able to see this content, as opposed to listen to it, because there are extras that don't get seen and don't get heard in the podcast on Spotify. If you want to see some of these extra stuff, things that happen before I hit record on on these uh, meetings, then I would encourage you to join our Facebook page. If you want to communicate with us, the Facebook page is the best way to do it. Our Discord page is the best way to do it. Ask us questions, participate, join with us, and maybe even come on our show as a guest if you have any questions for us. You might be able, we can even do phone phone ins depending on what they what they might be. Uh, with, but with that, I think we're going to call this a day, and we thank you all for joining us for this lengthy episode.